Podcast show 225, and we are excited tonight to talk to you about the NFC draft and offseason moves. Last night we recorded the AFC draft and offseason moves. Tonight we're doing the NFC, and we're going to get all the 16 teams across the four different divisions in the NFC. And as usual, I'm sitting to the left of me, I got Houdini across the way, I got Stag Party. Dogmatic is not with us tonight. I'm D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. And this is a doozy. We're going to be dropping the fantasy football goo. We're going to be dropping, giving you some FF knowledge. And it's just a good time all around. We're kind of laughing because my neighbor I, outside is... I'm taking nuts. a picture of this. I'm taking a picture of this. Poor dog, dude. Dog's going on a walk and the neighbor just sits on his phone. He can't get off the thing. It's hilarious. Um, but... As I said, we recorded a show last night. Dog Manical was with us on that one. Uh, Houdini reminded me that I didn't do the around the horn and introduce everyone last night, which is... Uh, but it's, it's I a, want to make a point about this shit. dog. The guy's been sta- staring at his phone. The dog has now just sat down, down in the middle of the street. Who's walking <laughs> who? That's it. That guy's probably on... T- he's like a 60-year-old man. He's re- one of the nicest guys ever, but he must be a late adopter uh, smartphone guy because he literally cannot peel his eyes off that thing. Whenever I see it, see him, he's walking around, he's looking at his cell phone. God bless... He's probably on, like, Red Tube or something. Uh, we, we got it. We got a good one today. This is going to be awesome. Well, let's get right into it, and uh, we're going to start out with the NFC East... Um, you can stack party. What was the site? Roto World, you thought? Roto, yeah, Roto World depth charts. Go to rotoworld.com and do depth charts if you want to. Um, I'm going to be going off a list that just is alphabetical order. We're going to do the NFC first. Uh, then we're going to do the NFC North, NFC South, NFC West. So, in the NFC uh, East, we got Dallas Cowboys. Wow, they making a, made a big splash and you know drafted... The earliest running back since uh, Trent Richardson, and with the Ezekiel at the number crop four. Crop top, Mr. Crop top. Dude, what a dumb outfit! I, I did not <laughs> like that. Um, it just is who he is, man. You gotta, you gotta live with it. He, I don't think they'll let him get away with it in the NFL, but what, what can we say? And then he adopts the Joseph Randall number, which is 
got a ton of good luck right now for it. Number 21, good signs of things to come. Well, you also him, he flew on the uh, Jerry Jones' jet um, after draft day last Friday. And Saturday night, some girl on Twitter, or maybe, no, Snapchat, Snapchatted him while he was sleeping in, in bed. And she hooked up with uh, the new millionaire rookie. Um, who was the guy that that happened to last uh, last year? I'll remember. But, um, oh, it was uh, Edelman. Edelman. Edelman, after the Super Bowl, got, uh, got Snapchatted. Dude's still there. <laughs> Poor dog. Um, all right. So, yeah, they huge move. Obviously... They didn't get a quarterback. A lot riding on Romo's health, but uh, Zeke Elliott's going to obviously bring a lot to the this table. Is, this is the crazy thing because you talk about, well, where's the perfect storm for any running back if they wanted to come into the NFL right now? Go to Dallas. You have, you know, one of the top three, arguably, uh, if not the top number one overall, run, run, run offensive line uh, blocking uh, a team, and you have. Great weapons with Des Bryant. You have uh, Tony Romo, who's very competent and an established quarterback. It's a great system for for a running back like Elliott to go into. Look what they did for your guy Darren McFadden last year. You know, so if McFadden can put up those numbers. Elliott should be able to put up even better numbers. No question. We were talking on movers and shakers, and you were feeling the Ezekiel Elliott love Houdini, and now you're you're coming over to the dark side. Well, it, <laughs> listen, because I'll, 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 that stance was before he went to the Dallas Cowboys. I t- I we were talking about in the perfect dream scenario. Well, in the dream <laughs> scenario, it's happened. So now, but the thing is, this he'll still he still won't be on any of my teams because what's going to end up happening is I'm, you can check wherever his ADP is right now, but I'm going to guarantee you that he's going to become probably like about a, a running back anywhere from some people. Especially anyone that went to Ohio State, which there's a lot of people that went to Ohio State. <laughs> probably Most anywhere from like fan base ever. So probably anywhere from like high as like seven to like fifteen. That's not the highest. People have him ranked running back number one. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, right. I, he is. Yeah. His ADP is. And his ten. His ADP so tenth pick, tenth pick overall. So yeah. that, that means he's going like running back like six or seven or something like. Yeah, that. like running back four. But four. some people have him ranked as running back one, and I might be pushing him up close there. I have him at running back five right now. Um, I did my full projections for him, and it's like sixteen hundred total yards and eleven TDs. And the thing is, what are the two most important things to this Dallas offense in keeping Tony Romo healthy? They are. You know, running the ball effectively, but also having a back who can pass block, you know, as that extra line of defense to keep Tony Romo off his back. Yeah, but you're, you're trusting a rookie to do that. And so here's, here's He my... is the best blocking running back ever to come out of the draft. Okay, fine. So, but And, and every running back that comes out of the draft is, is extremely stout and seeing defenses that they've never gone up against before, playing against a higher level of competition. What I'm telling you is also playing a longer season. I'm going to give you... You're putting a lot of stock, and if I'm not, I'm putting it to you this way. I'm not putting my fantasy stock and my fantasy season into the hands of a rookie. If you feel confident in doing so, God bless you. But the people, even when Adrian Peterson came out, people weren't drafting him that high. Well, they, he was coming they off also an had teams, they also had someone in front of him that wasn't Darren McFadden. Well, I understand, but at the same time, it's to expect him to come in and get 20-plus touches a game... Uh, immediately off the bat, I think that's that's a little bit. They already said they're going to do it. Like everything, this is the perfect storm. Of... And, then, and then you know what happens to these perfect storms? Then all of a sudden, two fumbles happen, and the guy <laughs> finds himself. You on know the what his career fumble rate is? What's his point zero three? Like he has one fumble in what 
well, like thirteen. Isn't it isn't it nice when you're playing on a team that has 12, 12 players drafted <laughs> in, in the uh, in the first five? How rounds? does that affect his football rate? How does that affect him? Because he's playing around a bunch of all pros against a competition that they're playing against half the time that is not going to be able to be anywhere close to what he's going to see this year in the NFL. This is Houdini's favorite division too in the Big Ten. He's just hammering on it right now. But I mean, I gotta agree with Houdini. I'm not saying he, I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to have a nice fantasy football season. But he's going in the first round, tenth pick overall, and it's probably going to go up. He's I mean, probably going to even start. That's I mean, don't you think if after a great off season and preseason and training camp, no doubt he's he's going to be like he top can legitimately head. threaten for running back one next season. He I, is a better pass catcher and pass blocker than Todd Gurley today. He is a more complete back than anybody else out there, and he's not coming off an injury like Le'Veon Bell. Okay, listen, that's all fine and dandy, and I think that's great, but at the same year. time, I'm not going to feel comfortable putting all of my eggs in that basket. So I, I agree with you. It's, 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 it's risky. but I think it helps I, everybody I else, though. Yeah. Now, look, look what it does for Des Bryant. Now Des Bryant is going to be able to have a lot more time to be able to run deeper routes because if he does do what you say and is that great pass blocker, well, okay, well, then that's going to give more time for, for downfield Des. It's also so Mr. Des being here, so I'm going to have yeah. to back on this train. And you're also going to get great play action opportunity because it's going to open up. You know, and Tony Romo is a great play action quarterback. He just you know hasn't had the, the steady weapons to be able to to put it, pull it off effectively. Did you see Dez's tweet when they drafted Ezekiel? It was the most un underwhelming tweet. His tweet was, "Let's see what happens." <laughs> Okay. That was it. That, that's a Houdini approach. I think, I think he did. I think that's he did. your approach. Let's see what happens. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll not on Ezekiel Elliott. I do not have that. You're all in on him? I, am I like it. So you're staking. This is good. Uh, okay, you're good. On. We, had, we wanted you to take a chance on some guy. You're doing it. Amen. This is good stuff. I mean, uh, he could legitimately has a chance to finish his running back number one next season. I'm not like, saying you're wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying I'm not going to, if I'm going to have that, that faith in that number one pick, I'm not going to put it in a rookie who's never run the, uh, a down in the NFL. Yeah. I will say this. If I'm sitting there and it's between Gurley and him, and I know Gurley's a top three guy, it's 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 going to be interesting. But I'm going to just take a wide receiver. So <laughs> Yeah, but there comes a round in the, the point in the first round where Dez is off the board and your boys uh, Julio, Antonio, Julio, and ODB Julio. are off the board. And then you're left with picks of like David Johnson and you know maybe Gurley, Peterson, and Ezekiel Elliott, and his upside there is tantalizing. Yeah, I agree. No doubt about it. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens. Here's a question: Let's say Romo gets hurt again. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to. He's going to have a good season. But I hope that. Uh, what happens if he gets hurt? Does that help uh, Elliott, or is that, no, is that it, all it of a sudden is it a, whole, it a whole bad deal for him? It's a bad deal. You need you need Romo and his deceptiveness to be able to create opportunities through audibles, through um, play actions, through through just different you know being able to see, to read a defense and say no, okay, we're going to run it left. You know what? No, we're going to change it to a draw. Keep we're, the defense honest, and, and we're just going to be able to keep him in situations that he's going to be more successful. You put anybody else, and who is their backup right now? Alfred Moore, oh. Alfred Morris, and oh, uh, quarterback, Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott. Uh, if any of that situation happens, it's going to be <laughs> defenses will be keying on Elliott, and they will say we're going to stop the run and we're going to force these guys into third and long passing, and but, they're going to kill them. Yeah, but even when they were stopping the run last season, it didn't work. I mean, Dallas still ran for four point seven yards a carry. The quarterback would just end up shooting himself in the foot eventually on the drive. The running backs were fine, just in their own sort of plight. Uh, in their own world, 
but everybody else on the team was severely affected with that backup quarterback. We saw Dez have you know his worst season ever. He's coming off that foot injury, which is known to be recurring, so that's the only sort of downside of Dez. He got paid. I mean, everything else with Dez is looking up. I mean... Who's going to take targets? I mean, I, I think we've all seen that Terrence Williams is not going to take targets away from Des Bryant. Cole Beasley's not a guy. Jason Witten's probably like 47 by the time the season starts next year. Uh, you know, Elliott's going to get some, De- and Des the running backs are going to get some. But Des is the, the target monster on that team. Oh, Des is the guy. This is still a very uh, old-school team. They they, uh, they have not caught up to like the uh, the new wave of, of being able to have three sustainable um Fantasy starting options in the wide receiving core. So, no, it's just Dez. Uh, Alfred Morris said he's not upset. This is where I should be. You know, he said, I signed in the right place. I don't believe it. I think that guy's got to be super pissed because now he's third. He didn't even get much money. He's a third running back. So, his only upside with that contract he signed was he was going to the best running back team. So, he was going to get an opportunity to kind of light it up and get pique the interest of other teams and sign a bigger contract the next time. Now he's got buried it. Third on the depth chart. Thank God this guy doesn't spend very much money. He's still driving the Bentley from Mazda. Also, third on the depth chart there is barely third because they want Dunbar to be the pass-catching back in some plays. So he's like uh, maybe third, fourth. Like He's just sort of a guy there who's a pure depth pick, and he doesn't do anything on special teams. I bet he wish he signed with New England. Yeah, and the other thing is I think Dallas probably was eyeing Bosa. And so, bold move by the Chargers taking him. Bold move. And that's what caused, you know, the ripple effect was, well, they're going to take the best player on the board, and at that point in time, it's Ezekiel Elliott, and there was, you know, if they were looking for that defensive player, there was no one else to reach up for. I like Jalen Ramsey Ramsey a lot. Yeah, Ramsey good. But let's talk, what else? Really nothing else to talk about there. They they did add Rico Gathers, who's a basketball player out of Baylor, who's like a 6'7", 290 guy who, you know, playing basketball at Baylor, you could just see him always going up for rebounds and playing with that tenacity. I just love the name, the fact that his name is Rico. You know, <laughs> I, I just think of that as Rico Suave. <laughs> well, they might need to call Uncle Rico to play quarterback for him once yeah. Tony Romo goes down again. Because that's what Kellen Moore sort of looks like. Absolutely. It's very true. Uh, I've got better arm strength than Kellen Moore. No question about it. New York Giants. The football Giants. What do you guys think uh, about any of their moves? Who's the running back that they just snaked? Who's so this is this is a it's a round round five pick, Paul Perkins. It's interesting how running backs go. It's like they grade these guys out now. It's like uh, the NFL and all these teams have no idea how to evaluate these guys or where where their actual valuation is because they went from being first round draft picks, then they grade them out as second round guys, and they're going in the third round. This guy was rated as like a second to third round pick, and he goes in the fifth round. So, uh, a complete tight running back out of, uh, out of UCLA. He's, a, he's got decent size, 5'10", 208 pounds. Um, can catch the ball. Uh, it, it's just going to be a matter of he's in a good situation there, right? Because he'll have a chance for an immediate impact because it's Rashad Jennings. You, you know, this is not anyone that you're building your, your foundation on. You have fantastic options with... Uh, ODV, uh, I'm not calling him OBJ. I won't do it. I'm still ODV on <laughs> good, it. Good, good. And um, and Eli Manning, which is going to be the solidifier right there. They got the rookie Sterling. You got and you got and they grab that rookie Sterling uh, in, uh, in the second round, uh, Sterling Shepard out of Oklahoma. So you you have these pieces in place. 
to allow him to not have to do everything and just highlight what he does well. And again, here's the benefit of having a good veteran, smart quarterback, knows how to read defenses, can put the guy in a better situation instead of just getting a play called in from the, from the coaches on the sideline. Defense gives a different look. You run the same play and you get murdered. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about it, Paul Perkins is a complete runner. We don't know much about his pass catching. We don't know about the third down phase. But they also have Shane Vereen there to sort of do that. And, you know, Rashad Jennings is 31 years old. You know, he just turned 31 a couple months ago. He's up there. He doesn't have a ton of wear and tear in the NFL. He's always sort of been that, you know, maybe 150 to 190 carry type of guy. So, you know, the mileage isn't that high on him. But he's just never been all that impressive. I mean, he could do some things that are good, but Paul Perkins is an elusive runner. Uh, you know, Pro Football Focus rated him the most elusive runner in college football last season. He's able to break tackles with that elusive style of his. He could just do so much running the ball that he provides a totally different thing to this, you know, run game. But I, I like Sterling Shepard a lot more for instant fantasy impact this season. And the other thing, too, is I think he'll have a better chance because the Giants' defense was horrible last year. And they did a lot in the offseason to add to it. I'm, I'm not a, a complete fan of everything that they did. Um, I liked, uh, you know, They threw money at it. They threw, sure. <laughs> they threw a lot of money. Oliver Vernon I like. I mean, this is a guy who's he's a solid guy. No matter what, he, he's a high floor guy that's going to give you good production. He's going to be a good run stuffer. He's going to give you a bunch of sacks. Uh, the guy that I think that they overspent the money on is I did not understand how much they gave Janoris Jenkins. Nobody did. I mean, he was sweet. I mean, he, he's had a bad uh, year last year, but he's been—he was sweet uh, three years ago. He's one of the best cover corners in the league. Maybe that was four years ago, but which explains why they felt so good about him that they took Eli Apple with their first pick. Yeah, which everyone thought was a weird. Everyone was like, "That—that's a little too high for him." They must have loved him. I mean, he's a scrawny. He's a six-one, but he's got—he's got the good. He's got the height and he's got the speed. Yeah. The thing is, you can never have too many corners in today's NFL. I mean, we're just looking at it, and, you know, there's so many good receivers, and there's a lot of good receivers in that division that you just need a bunch of them. Teams are playing three wide receiver sets on, you know, 40% of their downs, and teams are playing nickel packages on, like, 67% of their snaps now. Like, the base set in the NFL does not matter because it's... It's like the nickel now. You're running three corners out there pretty much you know, every other play. Well, they grabbed a safety in the third round. I mean, so they, they 100% addressed their de- deficiencies on defense. These are all things that I think are good for Perkins. It's also going to be good for... Can I bring for, up for, something for, with about Apple? Yeah. You saw, you saw the, the, the tweet I His retweeted. mom? His mom's yeah. hilarious. His mom on Twitter was like, oh, all these all these hoes are trying to slide into my the DMs of my son. He's like, <laughs> he's like the Jesus Christ or something with the Lord above is the only thing that can save you. Did it like I didn't want to do it. There you go. Stag parties held in a sneeze. <laughs> I didn't Good know man. the town had so many sluts. They, they hit it again. I didn't know the town had so many sluts. Stag party. Don't have a heart attack. You make me feel guilt and 
It was perfect. Guilty. Well, it was a perfect storm. I I, I had the, they they changed the interface on the uh, on the site I used yeah. for the sound for the sound bites, and so they have the play button next to the download button. So if you hit the download button, it takes you to another page. Gotcha. So he's he's trying to hold it in his knees. I inadvertently hit the download button. A user error created <laughs> and a user error pre- re- uh, repaired. <laughs> See, it doesn't feel that good. That was the that was the the roll in. Remember last week I said I was going to keep it all in. That's the the beginning. I was like stag party. Hold in the sneeze. <laughs> so did, you, did you feel? He said it. You're gonna lose a couple oh, you, brain you cells. Bra- you kill brain cells by holding those in. I you can see it. It looks like you just, just hit it in a I'm nitrous talk or something. For a few minutes. Doesn't but, Stag Party look like the, the lead singer of Mumford and Son? I like the new high, the new I, haircut. This is the didn't move from my couch today haircut. <laughs> nice move. Nice uh, move. So Sterling Shepard, a guy who's gonna come in to a great situation. You got ODB, you know, either next to him or across from him in the formation. He's one of these guys who's a great route runner. He's got that Edelman vibe to where he's quick in and out of his breaks, and he makes tough contested catches. He could also run vertically a little bit, get down the seam. He could just run so many different routes, and, you know, that's one of ODB's strengths as well. So now they're, they're going to be able to run all these complex route trees, and I'm, I'm just excited to see it happen. You know, he doesn't have the necessary size you're looking for, but his ability to get out in and out of breaks and then run after the catch is, is awesome. So now the interesting thing, too, so is it now Will Ty's position at tight end? Well, they also drafted a guy uh, later in the draft here um, who was rated as one of the better sort of uh, pass-catching tight ends in the draft in Jarrell Adams out of South Carolina, who, you know... Pretty similar to Jared Cook out of South Carolina. Raw, can stretch the field vertically. Like he's got the same sort of skill set as a Will tie. But, but I just hope they don't ever play, you know, Larry Donnell ever again. I don't think that they will. But in any way, I, I, you know, Adams is an interesting player. But no rookie tight ends really ever make an impact. Yeah, but first time was pick, a rookie tight end last year and made an impact. I it, well, this is true. <laughs> But I think that Ty, with his his uh, advantage of being in that offense and showing his, you know, his versatility as well, if he can just work on his blocking a little bit more, it, it'll be uh, to his benefit. The Giants have a great strength to schedule across the board. Uh, they are number three for the quarterback position, easiest uh, schedule. They are number tied for sixth for running backs, so that's a good time. Um, if that rookie ends up playing, I'm going to stay away from everybody else. And then a wide receiver is a good time as well, seventh. So across the board, across those positions, um, nice, nice times for the offense at strength of schedule. The one thing also you got to remember last year is um, maybe, I hope I'm getting my ears right here, but uh, Eli was learning a new playbook last year, wasn't he? Two years, two years ago. ago. Okay, good. But now Ben McAdoo is the head coach. Yeah, so if you thought the, there was any shackles from Tom Coughlin on, on the passing game, there's definitely, there's definitely none anymore. But I just like the way this team sort of sets up. The question is, who's going to be this number 2-3 receiver? Because they ran pretty much more plays out of three wide receiver sets than anybody in the league last year. So if you've got ODB there, you've got you know Sterling Shepard there. I mean, maybe you're using Ty out wide a little bit because he's got some speed. What about Victor Cruz? He's got to come back sometime, doesn't he? I mean, maybe. So Victor Cruz is the question mark, and that's he took gonna, a pay cut. I right? think that, that's kind of yes. why they, they brought in uh, you know Shepard as yeah. well because they're, they're, they're knowing that the the days of Cruz, hey, celebrate him today, it's Cinco de Mayo, uh, but the salsa dancing is probably not going to be as prevalent <laughs> going forward. 
Doing, I'm, do, I'm doing some salsa dancing right now, people. So just so you know, look up on Cinco de Mayo what uh, what oh could Trump be, could be President Trump said. <laughs> oh my God, what Ta- a piece taco of work. bowl! I can't even. I don't even say it. I'm not, I don't want to take a side, but it is ho- just, what a piece of work. Just check it out. Number one, the picture itself, <laughs> the grin on the face, and he's eating a taco bowl for Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Hilarious. Big fan, big fan. Uh, all right, let's go on to anything else to talk about on that team? Nah. Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you guys, there's been a couple days in the last couple weeks that I've wanted to just pout like Sam Bradford about a couple of uh, work subject matters. And what did you do? You just suck it up and you decide to not pout and you get your shit done. Buddy, you're going to lose your job. You've made more money for doing less in the NFL do not do this pouting look. I guess he's still not taking the phone calls from uh, Peterson. Uh, anyway, I think... You're a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, they've got more quarterbacks. They're, they've got the best quarterback depth of any team in the entire league. Because remember who they they got from uh, Kansas City? It's Chase Daniel, Daniel Chase. Or Chase Daniel. Yeah. Daniel Chase. <laughs> they'd rather, a, it's too, it's too he's, a, he's, a, he's on the soap opera. He's on the soap names. opera version of the NFL. Pretty much. Uh, but, you know, this trade for Carson Wentz, it gutted the rest of their draft. Like they had the nothing, Yards of my life. They, they had nothing left to pick until the, the third round, and then yeah. after that, the fifth. And they didn't really spend any, you know, they didn't make any high-impact picks because they were all leveraging them for the future. In Carson Wentz. Good story. Uh, at Burger Bar, you know, my watering hole that I go to at least once a week, um, one, my bartender there was, she also was bartender at Rock Bottom Brewery. And this week, Rock Bottom Brewery's downtown, draft last Thursday, after hours, from midnight till five, uh, Wentz um, and, his, and ten of his friends and his family rented out Rock Bottom Brewery. And they're like, mm. hey, he's going to have to go to do this draft stuff and uh, and do all that. And then I want to just have a place to hang out and play pool and darts with his buddies. So he rented out the second floor or something at that place and was able to illegally stay up and drink till five in the morning. But getting pic- my friends getting pictures with him. And she said he's the nicest guy ever, like was so friendly and everything. And he, he, she said it was just really funny that they were like listening to the weirdest songs. And they all knew all the lyrics, and they were like just this nicest North. It, it's as quintessential North Dakota as you could possibly think it is. And if she, I guess he likes uh, he drinks he drinks with dog likes. He's a silver oh, bullet there guy. You go. They didn't even carry silver bullet, and they had to go get two cases of silver bullet so that he could drink it. And his first drink, I asked her, I'm like, so what was his first drink? Because he's not a big drinker. Um, and she said it was a. Uh, it was it was a tequila and tonic or something. So he just had like a tequila drink, and he was gone. And then they were all his buddies were playing pool, and they were drinking uh, did, they were drinking uh, silver bullets. Did she apologize to him as the nicest guy ever? That you're you going to it. the place where you're going to be treated as the most vile, horrible. He already got booed. He got booed when he got off the airplane. They're booing him, and he's laughing. I was like, good, good, good grief. I mean, honestly, if you're from Philadelphia, don't take this personally. I'm stereotyping here. But I will say that I do know a few Philadelphians from my time in New York and from a few of them that live here. You guys are fucking so annoying. I mean, just these guys. I mean, I, this guy, this one dude I know, he's literally like the most abrasive, annoying, uncomfortable. Like, for any, everything he says, like, that was offensive. That was weird. 
Like, Jesus Here's the one Christ. thing about Philadelphia that I'm going to give props to. So I just to. pissed off every Republican yep. and, and, and you're done. Philadelphia you're done. person. You're done. Well, I'm done. I'm done. I mess around. I kid. I love all you guys. I kid. I, I kid. kid. But I, I <laughs> Snake Party. Snake Party's fidgeting over there. He's, <laughs> you can see the subscription losses, by oh, the way. Oh, man. If we had video, you know, you'd see the, the face change different colors. Um, I go. I fly into Philadelphia Airport, and I'm going out uh, to New Jersey. And one thing i got to tell you I love about the Philadelphia Airport, the music. It's all funk. Is it? It's all, yes. I was like, I'm standing in line waiting for like security. I'm like, okay, it's taking a while. It's like, Hollywood swinging. I'm like, oh, cool, the gang. Yeah. Like, then Al Green comes out. I was like, oh, shit. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about the music for our show, and then we can uh, get deeper into the Eagles. Uh, the music today is Stereo Lab, an amazing band um, that is just puts, has put out a ton of music. Pretty sure they're a French, French like, uh, electro uh, kind of uh, whatever I forget the, the lounge electro band but that's awesome I'm personally drinking um, well I got a two hearted now but earlier I had a uh, an Avery uh, Indian Pale Ale and Houdini's rocking from his beer of the month club what do you got I got uh, this Florida beer Devil's Triangle IPA alright I like it Stag Party's rocking uh, some Frost uh, Gatorade Delio um, and uh, let's go deeper okay we saw obviously we talked about Wentz Good timing there. Let's move on to uh, run, what are you thinking about the running back position? Uh, they got rid of their off, biggest offseason move is giving away a DeMarco Murray for nothing. So what does that stand for Ryan uh, Matthews? And, and can, we just, can we just bring something full circle here? The Carson Wentz drinking story. And Ezekiel Elliott is like one of the youngest players in the draft along with Eli Apple. Yeah. They're both not even 21 yet. Wow. So you get drafted in the NFL and you can't even have a fucking drink. Crazy. Like, how would that be? Like, I'm breaking the law that night. Like, oh, <laughs> breaking That's... the law, breaking the law. I didn't realize he's not even 21. Nope, nope. Uh, he doesn't turn 21 until July. That's crazy. Uh, but back to Carson Wentz, you know, just sort of talking full circle. You know, he, is he a guy who's going to get a chance to start because of Bradford pouting? Or is he a guy who's going to be on the bench, you know, all season like he probably should be? He didn't even play that many games last year at North Dakota with that wrist injury. Um, you know, they still got Chase Daniel. If they, but who's going to make a move for Sam Bradford now? They are the only team out there saying they want you to be their starting quarterback. Just shut your mouth. You know what? He's not, they're not going to make a move for him until he's going to be one of those trade deadline moves. I'm telling you because Philadelphia is not playing for this year. They're playing for the future. They would absolutely love to deal him to a contender who potentially loses their quarterback. They would even deal him to Dallas if, for some reason, Tony <laughs> Romo went down again. And I don't know about all that. <laughs> I, think they, I think they actually would because if they can get, like, what, what can you get? Can you get a second-round pick out of it? If you can get a second-round pick for Bradford, you would do it. I don't know about the. I agree. The division, though, that thing was like. Well, all no, of a sudden, if you're not, Bradford if you're not, if you're not playing, it up and they. You, if if they were that concerned, here's what here's what doing a move in the division is. I love it because it's so ballsy and it's saying, here, take this guy because you know what, take our we're not afraid of playing against this guy twice a year. Go ahead, start him against us, please. <laughs> I agree. Let's. Uh, what do you think about Matthews? I like Matthews. He's like. He's one of those interesting guys. There's like this tier of running backs, like after twenty, that are that are all interesting. They all have a lot of flaws. They're all injury prone. They all, you know, had down season last year, and it's like, you know, did they were coming off a rookie season and the guy left? So it's like Jeremy Langford and Melvin Gordon and you know Ryan Matthews, uh, you know Dion Lewis. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of Matt Jones. 
there's just a bunch of these guys in that tier that's all interesting, all lead backs, all lead backs with potential for maybe top 12 numbers. They just need to stay healthy. And, you know, this is a good offense for Ryan Matthews. He was the better running back last year. He's always been one of the better running backs in terms of yards per carry in the league. He just always gets hurt for th- three to four games a season, or he breaks a clavicle and misses more. <laughs> it was like it wasn't like clavicle, clavicle. It was like back to back clavicles. Like him and Amendola were like uh, and Roma. Jeez, but I the, broke my clavicle. So the other I know good what, news, I know how it feels. That's bad. The other good news for him though is that because of the injuries, because of playing behind Demarco Murray and in the limited roles that he was playing last year, he's entering this year without much tread on, on uh, or wear on him compared to guys that have been in the league as long as he have. A lot of them are already like completely busted out. But and that's gone. that's like. That's like mate, that's a double negative. Yeah, I know, right? Well, he he's play. injured so often that he doesn't have much tread so on his wheels. So what, what he does play is availability. No, but you, 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 I'll make the point that you that you'll appreciate because what he does do is that when he's there, and now that he's going to get more carries and more touches, it'll be back to that early days in San Diego where he could win you a couple weeks, or he could give you these bigger games. That sure, you you, you don't think anyone is drafting Ryan Matthews thinking that they're going to get 16 games out of him. Not You're either. thinking, okay, can I get 10? And of that 10, will I get six games that are going to be impact games? I'm an owner that has had him in those three-game moments where he's gone on the nice little run and you're playing him. And you're like, yes, I knew. B- bottle this up. Do it over the season. And then taking him in another year and and seeing it and it doesn't happen. So you, you just don't know with this guy. But it's a great opportunity. Sproles is getting up there in age. Still, still, who knows? Sproles is the kind of guy that defies the odds every time, every season. The minute you think, as Dog would say, the minute he's down, the minute he's down, it's when you're going to get the best out of him. So I feel the same way about Sproles. Yeah, Ryan Matthews is currently going in the fifth round. So that's an interesting guy if you're yeah. going wide receiver early. Uh, I agree. That seems like know, some okay value. You know, Matt Jones is going in that fifth round. So is Jeremy Hill. Um, Melvin like Gordon, you know, Jay Ajayi. There's some interesting guys in that range to where if you do go wide receiver, you've got a guy in these sort of lead back roles with some question marks, but with a lot of opportunity in front of them. You know who has that opportunity in front of him? Val Verde! I am the great Cornholio. I'm a gringo. I am no bungo. Well, let's talk about for Cinco de Mayo. There you go. Let's talk about the wide receivers quickly <laughs> on this team and uh, and Ertz, and then let's uh, let's move on. We'll move on to the next team. So, I really like Ertz wide receivers. You know, Jordan Matthews. Outside of that, I'm not sure about anybody else. Like, I remember a year ago, Nelson Aguilar was going to be yeah. just, everyone just bought into that craze. Good God, that guy might have been the, mo- the most underwhelming. Uh, you know what it is pick that everyone seemed to be on top of. It's one of those never things that came I, fruition. I'm never drafting a USC uh, wide receiver again. Just wait till next year. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Though you know, it's, it's like, like Robert he, Woods, all these guys. It's like Marquise that's, Lee. That's what you're gonna get. You're, you're gonna get meh, meh, meh. See, remember the old Steve Smith? He actually had a good. Was that no? He had a good sophomore. You, you draft a USC receiver and just damn it, damn it, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, move on? Yeah, yeah. move on. Not, right. not really much else to say. Good luck, Eagles. Sorry, I was just kidding. I think you guys are fantastic. And um, <laughs> buy our draft kit. Uh, <laughs> 
twenty dollars. They did uh, bring in Ruby. In an election year, <laughs> that that state has gone completely to um, I don't know one of our. I don't know. I'm not talking about elections or Philadelphia <laughs> for the rest of the show. They, they did add Ruben Randall in free agency on a one year deal. He's on a prove it deal. That could be good. He's still only like 24 or 25 years old, which is insane to think about. He's been in the league for four years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, between Ruben Randall and, you know, Nelson Aguilar and Josh Huff, that's a lot of questions with very few answers. I agree. All right, uh, and then Ertz, the target machine, especially at the end of the season, you got to be liking where uh, where he could be headed. Uh, but he's going to be. He's probably top five uh, tight end ADP, right? No. No? He's still he's one of those guys that's got... Seven, seven to eight. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Tenth I, round ADP. I've had bad luck with him. Whenever I have him, he doesn't do anything. And whenever I play him, he doesn't do anything. And then when, I, when he's on my bench, he lights it up. So he He's got to play me. him against Washington. That's key one. Especially Washington late on the road at the end of the season. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, let's... Speaking of, let's segue over to Washington. The Redskins, wow, news of the day, off-season move. Mr. Jordan um, uh, Reed got piggity-paid. Five years, 50 million bones, 22 of it guaranteed. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy. If so, he's worth every penny. We'd like some money. <laughs> he got some. Uh, congratulated him on Twitter today. Uh, no, I was, I was asking he, for us to him. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's you know, true. We, we would like some money. Damn, he's got it. But it's like you know, it's a lot of money for a tight end. But he's if he's playing 16 games, I mean, that guy is dynamic. He is Kirk Cousins' number one target and huge, huge things. When we talk about him in that position, I mean, he's. <laughs> I'd rather have him than Gronk, uh, just because I think. I don't know. I just would. You can get him a round or two later, and and he's 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 just. Ridiculous. Here's the thing: we talk about two touchdown games for that guy. We talk about it all the time, right? Um, well, he's a guy that has an injury past. Yeah. You know what? Pretty much everybody's got an injury past for the most part. You're, you're hardly getting these guys. Those are albatrosses, the guys yeah. that are just these amazing studs that are able to stay healthy throughout the the, the length and of and breadth of their career. If you're a normal player, you're going to get dinged and, and have these ups and downs. But the difference is, is that when healthy, is he a dominator? So if he's a dominator, that should determine your decision on a guy. Because, again, when you're talking in fantasy and you're looking at situations, I don't want a guy who's just a plugger. I don't want to have a guy who's just going to give me four points, five points. I want a guy who, when healthy, has a chance to give me double-digit plus points and be an impact player for the week and make a difference in why I'm going to win or lose a game. Before I let you go, out of any position in football right now, I would say I think ODB... And me and, and Antonio Brown, I think, are the only guys that when their ball is hiked, the odds of the play going their way um, are, are, feel real good to, good to you. I mean, they just lock in on that guy and go on drives where, you know, it's in the first or second drive and the guy's already got five catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. They lock in on him, and those are the kind of players you got to love. Those target touches, looks, guys, and can put up the points. What do you got, Stags? I think I've voiced my just opinions on Jordan Reed a lot this offseason, and they mostly do to leading the league in red zone efficiency last year, and the, just numbers that are like impossible to maintain. Mm-hmm. So just expect some regression, you know, there. But if he stays healthy, is he one of the few receivers who can get to a thousand yards? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is he one of the guys who could catch, you know, eighty plus passes, maybe even more? Could he approach a hundred passes caught? Sure. 
Like, definitely, if he got enough targets. Mm-hmm. And then is he a guy who can get to that double-digit touchdown mark? And, you know, if you can get all three of those, you're you're a stud. And the double-digit touchdowns are going to be something that's hard to sort of replicate. You know, we'll, we'll see. But I'm excited to at least see the development. I'm excited to see them pay him. Mm-hmm. And then I'm excited to also see Josh Dotson added to this offense. And now I just wish they would cut some fat and cut Pierre Garçon. Well, see, but this, hey, this, this, hey, he Dotson, some... Dotson's interesting because he's a speedster, right? So you're putting... Yeah, he's uh, a four or five guy. Yeah, he's not... He's more of a... He's a jumper, big body. He's a jumper who can catch anything contested. Yeah, he, he's okay. a great catch. You throw it up there, he's getting it. He's, he's a little bit more, a little bit faster, but more of like a nuke. So that's why... Nuke. That's so why he's going to pair well with Deshaun, with Deshaun Jackson. Please. <laughs> Please, Eddie. Um, I think this is good because... You know, Deshaun Jackson's going to help him. Is that Robert the Re- Robert Rad- uh, Who framed Rabbit? Roger Rabbit? Yes. Oh my God, you're yeah. a man there. <laughs> you remembered it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, you know, having Deshaun Jackson with his ability to stretch the field uh, is going to open up different opportunities and, you know, create. He'll be the guy that they didn't have. This is why Jordan Reed also had that, that whole touchdown propensity and, and this high scoring because they didn't want to throw the ball to in that area in the red zone. Now, Doxon can come in, but at the same time, he's still a rookie, so don't expect it to be a, a super high volume. I wouldn't expect it to be. This is one of those things where you can look at Reed and say, he's going to take a little bit of a hit this year, but it's going to probably take a bigger hit two years from now once Doxon really understands the offense. Well, I love the way when Cousins drops back. I just love the way because of the Reed's girth and size on, on his body, like he does a lot of these button hooks and, and slam patterns, when it's like, Cousins just likes to throw it low and hard, and he's like, if, if Reed doesn't catch it, which Reed usually does because he's got good hands and he, he can pull them in, then it's, it's going to go into the ground. No big deal. So Cousins loves that, that blanket. Uh, I think Garcon, uh, Doxon, Deshaun, uh, Jameson uh, Crowder. That's. I mean, this has got to be one of the most talented wide receiver crews in, all, in the whole league. I mean, that's a lot. I just, I just that's feel like Pierre Garcon waters it down. <laughs> two, two years ago, though, remember, didn't two years ago, he had like 100. Three, three now. Three, three now. 100, he had 113 100 catches. catches yeah. 123 catches. But yeah, that was all based on volume, getting 106 tar- 186 targets. Like, yeah. Do we really think... Pierre Garçon's just a guy. Like he's a jag now. He's 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 he's, days, he, he seems days to, he's a five over. for fifty. He's a five for fifty. He's a and plugger. It, he's a plugger. And if he could get out of the way of Josh Dotson, I think he'd have a better opportunity. But Josh Dotson sort of landed in a spot to where it's not great first year value return, like in a dynasty league, to maybe where he's you know he's gonna have trouble surpassing eight hundred yards. The, the defenses in that division are still weak, so there there will be opportunities. Love a uh, Matt Jones. I'm high on him. I'm high on. Uh, I'm high on the whole team, to be honest. I'm high on everything. Uh, let's uh, move on to the next team. No, no. We gotta talk about Keith Marshall, the seventh round pick, who uh, yeah. I, I like more than Matt Jones. <laughs> you do? Uh-oh. Yeah, because he's a guy who came in as the higher rated recruit in the um, Marshall Gurley backfield of Georgia. He's got a pedigree from high school. He suffered an ACL injury in his career and then sort of took a back burner last year behind Chubb, um, you know, playing the third back role. So he doesn't have a lot of, you know, the measurables with this guy are insane. You know, 5'11", 220 pounds, 4'3", speed. He could just do 
the things as a change of pace back to where if he got more opportunities, you know, things could be great. If you're drafting in the late rounds, this is a guy to keep an eye on because who's your other competition there? Chris Thompson? Chris Thompson? Like, really? Yeah. Chris Thompson? Like, if this guy, you know, develops a little bit on third down, he hasn't shown it yet in college, the ability to consistently catch the football, but if he can add that to his game, his ability in space will make him a, a trouble player. And he's a guy who's, you know, universally going undrafted in redraft leagues currently. You know, being the number two back on Washington, which he should be, is, is worth it. Uh, I mean, Matt Jones wasn't amazing last season. Matt Jones has to take steps up. Matt Jones averaged three point yard, three point six yards a carry. Uh, had fumbling issues. All these things have to be addressed for Matt Jones to take a step forward. And remember, when you're talking about um, uh, the GM Scott uh, McLaughlin, uh, there's not a guy I trust at drafting running backs and just great making great picks than that guy. So if he liked them. Most boring name ever. Then I like him too. Let's move on to. Uh, we're gonna go the next. Uh, the next segment. We're out. We're gonna go on to, over to the um, NFC the North. NFC North. All right. Here we are back to give you the NFC North. We're gonna fire up our division, our hometown, our spot, the teams that we love and hate. Uh, we know the NFC North a lot, so let's not. Do this one for too long, and Let's we see. start with our team, the yeah. Bears. The Bears, who um, whose biggest draft day move was signing Brian Hoyer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they don't go for a quarterback. They draft. I like it better than having uh, having Chucky though. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and they and they didn't address any type of a skill position player for fantasy until Jordan Howard in the in the fifth round, which really for them was a steal. Because you have uh, Langford, who now you have to, you know, we're, we're figuring out what's going to be post Matt Forte life going to look like in Chicago. And Langford shows some great burst and great ability, but he's not a guy that you want to be able to, tr- you know, that you can trust to, to, to have the ball 20, 25 times. This is the modern day version of what John Fox had back in Carolina. This is young D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. You got Langford as your D'Angelo Williams, and you got and you got Howard as your Jonathan Stewart. And the difference uh, Except here, Jonathan Stewart was very, very good in a first round pick and not a fifth round pick, and ran a four four at two hundred and thirty five pounds, which Jonathan Howard couldn't sniff. You know what though? You and you you could hate on Howard here, but I'm going to tell you what. When it's all said and done, because that was also the thing that with D'Angelo Williams was also a first-round pick. Yeah. So you had two first-round picks there. This is a different NFL the way that we're we're, we're constituted now. But they fill roles, and they're each going to do the same thing. And even though they were both first-round picks, they were considered kind of busts for fantasy, right? Because you never really got the great production out of either one of them. They were always kind of eating into they, each they other. They screwed each other. They screwed each other. You get, you're getting 900 yards here. You're getting maybe 1,100 yards for this guy. You're getting six touchdowns here. Maybe getting four touchdowns here. Or 14 from Jonathan Stewart on like eight, 800 yards. And just right. crazy, crazy differentials. They're like, motherfucker. They're just trying to stick it to us, aren't they? <laughs> and I think that's kind of what you're going to expect here in Chicago. I think it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be, the, it's going to be good for the team. It's not going to be great for fantasy. I don't think that you're going to get... I think everyone was so excited about what Jeremy Lankford's potential was going to be. 
But bringing in Howard, a guy who's going to steal away goal line carries from him, that's the key. And so Howard is going to be one of these guys who maybe only gains you six, seven hundred yards, but he's going to be the guy that's going to end up with seven, eight touchdowns on the year. Where Langford's going to be the guy who maybe has all-purpose yards, maybe eleven, twelve hundred yards, but he's going to give you three to four touchdowns or something like that. I, I semi agree. I did my projections for the Bears today after thinking about it. Uh, I'll just hit you with those, and you can tell because mm-hmm. I also think Kadeem Carey is going to be very involved. So I've got Langford, until he gets hurt. But go ahead. I've got Langford with 887 yards on 211 carries, six touchdowns, 30 30 receptions, 277 yards, and a touchdown receiving. And then Howard, I've got with like 106 carries, 433 yards, uh, five touchdowns, nothing in the receiving game. You know. Are you, are you working on something that you haven't been telling us here? A little bit. Yes, I know when Stag Party <laughs> starts getting deep into the projections, good. We, we, he's working we on gotta something. we got to move in that direction. So. So, and then Kadeem Carey, I've got for nearly 100 carries as well. I so think, this is going to be a backfield that sort of splits up to where you know all three of these guys are going to be involved, but Jeremy Lankford's going to be the head guy. The thing is, Kadeem Carey is awful in pass protection, and awful as a receiver, yeah. and that's Jordan Howard's strong suit too. So maybe you could even see Jaquiz Rogers getting involved as a pass well, because Langford struggled mightily catching the ball. I think he caught twenty-two of forty-two targets last season. Well, and that's why Jaquiz Rogers is back with the Bears. Remember, he got hurt, so he's back. So they re-signed him, and they're they're happy with him. They expect him to take that role. I look at Howard as Kadeem Carey is that this is the out papers for you, buddy. Because Carey's a guy who's like, he gives everything he's got. I've I, I given him, he's an effort guy. Yeah. He runs so hard into the hole, but a lot of times he's running so hard just to get into the hole, he's not actually having vision into the hole. <laughs> so he's just kind of running, See and then he, the hits, and he hits the wall. And, and he's in some of the biggest collisions that you see. So the impact that that's going to take on him long term. I don't think he's going to get more than 70 carries by the time it's all said and done. I think that you're going to get Jordan Howard's going to be close to 125 carries. I think they're going to want to have um, no more than, than around 200 carries for uh, Langford. So, um, you know, but I think that Langford will have the potential to, to grow in the screen game, and I think that they want to see that out of him because they want to he's be. He's dynamic once he catches the ball, he just needs to prove to catch the ball. Uh, but besides that, the other position the Bears didn't address in the draft was the tight end position. And yeah. all you have there is a hobbled Zach Miller. That was and, surprising. And I just can't believe they didn't spend a pick anywhere in the draft on a tight end. I think they, they, they must feel that they're going to be able to grab somebody off of uh, waiver someone. Someone's going to drop somebody. I think they already grabbed Rob Hausler. But yeah, again, but they had him before. He couldn't he, even beat out Gary Barnage. No, that doesn't do anything for you. I'm saying... <laughs> They're going to wait until this, you know, as training camps get whittling down. I think they're going to grab somebody late um, just to, to, to be able to at least have a backup for Zach Miller because you can't trust in him either. So, um, but all the, the other major interesting aspect for the Bears on offense is last year's first round pick who never got a chance to play and D Rex's favorite guy, Kevin White. How high are you on Kevin White right now? I mean, I told you I'm high on a lot of stuff these days, <laughs> um, but. I just I don't know what I like more. The upside on his fantasy points or the Lauren Hutton space in his teeth or his girlfriend. But all I know is that is a guy that doesn't have any tread, has had a lot of opportunity to be in the clubhouse and learn the books. They got it they're gonna come out and you just gotta think that they are gonna be like unleash this tool that we've been waiting. We it's like having this 
unbelievable stallion in, in the in your stable that you just can't even show to the world. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. And the flip side of that is, and it's an off-season move, is they you know paid um, Alshon Jeffrey a lot of money. They gave him the franchise tag and. Soft tissue. Who needs soft tissue? Yeah. Do I hope that Alshon plays 16? If he does, he is a stud. Yes. Um, I hope he's working out right now. He's not working out with the Bears. He's not. He's down in Florida, and uh, I think that gives him chances to loaf. But um, I love a white. Where's his? What's his ADP right now? His ADP is all right. I think he was going in the seventh round okay, last seven. time we checked. That's nice. Uh, but, I'll take that. I mean, it's, it's, it's risky, but the upside's there. I just don't. The Bears have never been a team to throw for a lot of yards, and depending on how much you think of Alshon Jeffrey, you know, is he going to get to twelve or thirteen hundred yards, which he's done before in his career? That leaves a little bit of a cap on Kevin White. Can White sort of surpass a thousand yards in his rookie season? I think he's more of a nine hundred yard guy, but he could be a guy who catches eight touchdowns. You know what it is, though. Here's the thing: you, you have John Fox, and you would normally look at it and you'd say John Fox is a guy who's going to lean on the running game. That's the way it's going to be. Uh, but look, when he had Peyton Manning and he was the head coach, did Peyton Manning not throw for fifty five touchdowns? Well, what are you saying here? What I'm I, saying, I, I don't get the parallel. <laughs> what I'm saying is he's willing to adapt to what is working. So if you if Kevin and Jay White, Cutler doesn't work, no, but if <laughs> Jay Kev, Cutler needs protection, hold on, hold on. If if Kevin White comes in and all of a sudden you have Julio Jones reincarnated or whatever and it's, and it's here in Chicago, you don't think that they're going to realize that and they're going to say, "This is where the talent is. Yeah. This is where that we're going to. You know what? We're going to give him an extra three to four five targets a game. That's just the way it's going to be." I Jay Cutler and Peyton Manning. <laughs> well, well, I understand what you're saying, but what I'm saying is it's where the talent on your team is, and so when the talent. For him was there, yes, he's always been a Jake DeLome and all these other guys run the ball. But let's let's see what the faith level is. And if your talent level is that much greater at that wide receiver position, you're putting out Jeffrey and him. And I just wish you had Martellus Bennett because then it just made that whole attack that much stronger. But you know, you just don't know until you get the season going. It's a, it's a, it feels like that every year with the Bears. It's like you just don't know what kind of team you're going to get out of them. So hopefully, it is a, is a nice dynamic offense and one that's fruitful for fantasy owners. I know me and Beanie talked earlier, and we're going to be at what three, two or three games at the same ones. Yep. Um, Stag Party, let me know if you want to go to any games. Actually, my boy Moltz is... I'm going to go to the Titans. We're going to go to Titans, Jags. Titans, I think I'm going to go to the yeah. Redskins as well. And uh, There's some extras in my And spot. I'll be at the Eagles and uh, probably the Packers. Eagles is the first home game. That's the night game, That's right? the night game. Yeah, second week of the season. There we go. All right, let's move on from our Bears and go to Detroit. The Lioness. Uh, Detroit Lions... Uh, got Marvin Jones, paid a nice uh, lion share for them, and you heard that two days ago uh, Stafford is tooting the, the Marvin Jones horn and saying he's going to be a breakout player and just excited. That was really funny, Beaver. <laughs> I thought that was stag. You were tooting the horn, so I had, I had to bring it up. I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't see you do it. I thought stag's like just all of a sudden burped or something. Um, <laughs> um, so what do you guys think about uh, St- uh, Stafford tooting good old Marvin Jones' horn? Do you think, is this a guy that could be a sleeper for you? Is this a guy you want? Is his ADP worth it? What are you guys thinking on the Marvin Jones bandwagon? You know, on or off? 
Where is the ADP on him? Because that's... The, I've been off Marvin Jones so I, hard. You were <laughs> always off. I, I liked him in the situation that he was in in Cincinnati. You know, and that was where, you know, he's got, he, got, he has a propensity to catch touchdown passes. But he did it because he was getting the protection of an A.J. Green. When it's Marvin Jones and Golden Tate... There is no protection for anybody out there. It, it, this is this is a Mad Max, uh, Fury Road. Defend yourself. You're on your own. Ninth round ADP. Ninth round. I, I mean, I, I still think that you're. He's not getting drafted as a starter. Okay, so that's good. But at the same time, either. I, I guess there's upside because he's going to get more chances. Um, is he though? See, but this is well. You know what? This is one of those things. Is he going to get 112 targets? I mean, yeah, sure, he can get 100. Like, his career high in targets is in the 100s. Like, there's not that much more room for growth. He's not going to become a 150-target guy. How many targets did did, uh, Calvin Johnson get last year? 149. 149. So you got 150 targets you've got to spread around other guys. Now, we know that Eric Ebron's a guy that we all like. Um, to be able to gain probably, I would say, at least 30 to 50 of those targets. Something like that. Something like that. So you're going to get... So we're sitting here right now, we're going to tell you that we like Eric Ebron, we like his opportunity and what he's going to be able to do in this offense. Golden Tate was already a guy who was getting about 112, 100, you know, at that level, right? Uh, So Marvin Jones' career high in targets is 103 last year. I mean, could he get to 120 targets? Sure. But I think that's about a cap for him. And, and the other part is that you have to meld him with a new quarterback and a new system. These things don't normally pan out to, in their first year. To a quarterback who locks on to players. Yeah. And has shown a propensity to lock on to Golden Tate, you know, with their chemistry when, you know, Calvin Johnson was not there. He has shown that. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen Matthew Stafford make multiple reads at a play and, and then make a good decision. He's just this guy kind of locks on and then makes you know some good decisions after that when he scrambles. And he doesn't have the benefit of having a solid running attack to be able to take pressure off of that passing game. So what's going to end up happening is because you're still sitting there. Uh, what do we got in the backfield? We still got we got Joy Bell, Amir Abdullah. No, Joy Bell's gone. Oh, he's gone. Theo Riddick, Zenner, Zach Zenner. Okay, so you don't have the, the problem with all this is that you you have and Amir Abdullah is is a nice type player, but he's not that guy that you can count on to be that load back. To we'll be see. That, well, he's going to have to be able to run inside, and they need they need a pounder and a grinder who could just like say, okay, we're going to get you four or five yards, boom, and we're going to move the chains because. This is where these wide receivers are going to have their issues because they're never going to be in third and twos and third and ones. They're going to be in third and sevens and third and, third and nines. But their draft really came down to protecting Matthew Stafford and then building you know, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. So that's something that's going to take a little while to progress. That's something that always does. When you build that way, it, it's a little bit slower, but it's more long-term and sustainable. Cool. I think we can move on from them. They've, they're slowly becoming... Back to they had a nice little run when Calvin was there, but the Lions are, are the lowly Lions, and there's nothing really exciting about them for me anymore. Too bad because they're uh, it was fun there for a little bit with that team. Uh, would you like to hop on the uh, Mir Abdullah hype train again this season? Not, we we can all do that. <laughs> I, I think no, I don't want him because of the body, um, which is too bad because when he does get the he is elusive. He's very he can get the stuff done. 
I just I just don't see it. I can see myself staying away from this team um, a lot. Now, something to be considered, strength of schedule, Detroit Lions have the second easiest. So that is a good time. Stafford, sixth easiest strength of schedule. Uh, so they're doing pretty good. Middle of the road for wide receivers. And uh, Mr. Ebron actually uh, is you know, eighth. So overall, they got a top-of-the-end uh, strength of schedule, which helps them. But I, I can see myself staying away from that team kind of in total. Just got to think that the Bears have improved a lot through the draft and through free agency. Green Bay did a couple nice things. Minnesota's the top top rung. So that, that'll probably change a little bit coming up here you know, in the next version of SOS. We'll see. Yep. You know, there's things that are still to change. Um, but let's move on to the Green Bay Packers, who also didn't do much, you know, fantasy relevant things in the draft. What do you? Uh, yeah, they, 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 they no, no fantasy relevant things in free agency, like they always don't do. This is a team that just—it's what they have on their roster or what they draft. It's, it's their own guys. Sure. I mean, so they felt that they're they're solid with all they have at uh, in all their all their positions right now. So they drafted Trevor Davis, a wide receiver out of Cal. He's another sort of speedster um, who could separate. They must really like the California program because they seem to get a couple players from there every other year. It's like colleges. They they recruit in certain areas. You know, there are certain teams that just have good relationships with certain colleges. They know what they're getting out of those players, and they draft them. You know what? I I forget (laughs) what team it was, but in the draft, uh, what was it? It might have been... Oh, I'm going to space. might have been the Rams. I mean, the Raiders. The Raiders took their first Big Ten player. Ever? I don't know if it's ever. but it was <laughs> No, because crazy. they had Robert Gallery from Iowa. So. It, it was a crazy stat that they, and maybe it wasn't the Raiders, but there was a team that was like, this is the first time they've taken a Big Ten. I was like, what? Um, it was <laughs> That's crazy. Weird. Well, the yeah. Bears, the Bears, that was the first time they'd taken a Georgia player, I think, uh, or at least with the first round pick since like 1943 or something like that. So, so what the Packers did during the draft is they spent the first couple picks solidifying the trenches and you know, trying to protect uh, Aaron Rodgers and then trying to protect, you know, guys, you know, trying to get to the quarterback up the middle with uh, Kenny Clark, you know, mm-hmm. a pass rusher. You know, we got B.J. Raji sort of retiring there. He's a clogger who can do some things. Uh, he allows space for those linebackers. And then they also, you know, drafted a couple linebackers later to hopefully move, you know, Clay Matthews back to the outside, which is their big sort of goal. Well, you have to because this is Von Miller showed in, in the in the Super Bowl. It's all about having that guy who's that impact. It's stupid to play Clay Matthews at inside linebacker. Right? Why would you put him on the inside? You need him creating havoc on the outside. What does he do best? He gets he gets around the edge. Stupid. Nobody can nobody can guard his speed. So that's why the Bears are drafting Floyd because they're seeing the same type of a of, yeah. of that type of a thing. Let Clay be Clay. Don't put him on the inside. Don't limit him and what he can and how effective he can. Is everybody be. back on the Packers being a elite offense though, or because I know you guys had some he- hesitation earlier in the off season. I'm not on board. I'm not. I'm not 100 on board with elite. No, because you know I, I understand and I, I will believe in Jordy Nelson and I and I think that that holds a lot of weight. Um, but Jordy Aaron and even even the running back uh, Skinny Eddie uh, Lacy. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Lacy. Good times, but they're they're just too rich for my blood. Yeah, I'm not going to pay up for them. And I, again, the, the way that the Jordan Packers, is a second rounder now. Just just look at all the great years that that uh, Rogers has. For whatever reason, the the Packers are not a team that pours it on other teams. They 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 pull back when they're when they're kicking their asses. 
They don't they don't go for the 450, 500-yard passing games. You don't get Rodgers thrown for five, six touchdowns, four touchdown games. It's like he's having a great year. He does game. throw for five touchdowns, except he does it all in the first half with 178 yards. But that's yards. what I mean, right. So he finishes the game with 320 yards. He's, <laughs> ne- he's never given you these over-the-top. Like Eli, Roethlisberger, these guys, they're guaranteed to give you, you know, Eli can give you horrible games, but he's going to give you, or Flacco too, but then they're going to give you like three games that you're going to go, ha! Oh, that's kind of, that sound you said, ha! Every picture I see of Olivia Munn. That's basically I think. <laughs> oh, I love that woman. Um, all right. Let's, let's uh... kind of... Uh, should we catch up and move on, or do you want to talk about? We're talking off season. We're not talking everything. So move on. I love that pro football focuses. Key additions, none. none. <laughs> uh, Packers. Okay, we're going to the Minnesota Vikings. Hmm, interesting. Lot lot falls on this uh, this this young quarterback, and now he's got all the weapons in the world around him. Can he be a professional fantasy worthy guy? I'm worried about that, but that makes me like an Adrian Peterson more. Well, but I think those are two separate questions. Let me go on. I'm getting somewhere here. Now, and what they're trying to do is offset a great first season um, by uh, oh, shit, what's his the young kid, the wide receiver. Oh, Stephon Diggs. Diggs. Yeah, Diggs with Treadwell. LeCon Treadwell was supposed to be the number one. He, I mean, before he injured his knee last two years ago in college, they, people were thinking of him as the kind of guy like Keyshawn Johnson that could be the first pick in the draft. I mean, he was he was lighting it up. Um, what is he, fourth wide receiver taken in this draft? Yeah, it was surprising. Pretty crazy, but he's... It's a great addition for him. So let's start there as an addition with Laquan Treadwell. Well, I love it. I well, think let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater, right? Because in the whole thing, and I think one of the best things is Mike Wallace is gone. Yeah. You know, having having that guy out of the building allows it to be now they're saying Teddy, it's your team. They're having it's Stephon Diggs. It's it's all young players, right? Even Charles Johnson. These are all no one no one has tenure here. So AP is the only guy. AP. Well, right, but but. He so, so, uh, solidifies your running attack, but for Teddy to have the guys that he's going to have the rapport with, the guys that he needs to to become, uh, you know, simpatico since we're on uh, uh, Cinco de Mayo here. <laughs> I'll throw him out there when I got him. Um, it, it, it's it's crucial, and I think that Treadwell. It's actually a pretty decent landing spot when you consider that you know, um, was it Corey Brown goes to Cleveland. When you have Will Fuller goes to, to Houston. Corey Brown. Col- I, I'm sorry, Coleman, thank you. Um, uh, Will I thought Fuller- he went to the Bengals for my last <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Will, Fuller, Will Fuller goes to Houston. So you have these other top guys that are going to Josh Doxon goes to Washington. Either where there's more competition or either where it's not as good of a quarterback. So, and, and not that Chetty Bridgewater is a great quarterback, but at the same time, I think that. He still has upside, and and the benefit of what Adrian Peterson can do to create more opportunities in the passing game, and I think that at this point in time in his, in AP's career, I think those best years are, are finally we can I, we can say that they're they're beyond him. He's he's yeah. that 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 the idea of him getting to be a two thousand yard rusher again. No, I think this year is going to be one of those grind it out, man. Give us thirteen hundred yards. Um, give me the ten touchdowns. But create more opportunities for these young receivers by having defenses come and commit to you. Yeah, I mean the thing is, what we didn't like about you know the opening was 
Teddy Bridgewater being an adequate NFL quarterback mm-hmm. and being a fantasy-worthy quarterback are two totally different discussions. Correct. Can he manage a huddle and you know make a few throws and do some things in the program pro game that make him a adequate starter in the league? Sure, he's shown that in the first couple of years. Can he be a fantasy impact player? He's shown very little to make me believe that. But like, can he make one of his receivers an impact player? That's the real question. I'm not going... Like, no, I had Treadwell as a top four prospect going into the draft. I don't love Teddy Bridgewater throwing in the ball. The things that you do like is Teddy Bridgewater does stick it to you in the intermediate range, mm-hmm. in the short to intermediate routes. He puts it on you. And, you know, pretty accurately, you can catch it in your chest or catch it with your hands with a little bit of extension. Those are the things you do like, but, you know, throwing deep, he struggled, but that's not Treadwell's game. So if they use him correctly and they use him like Michael Irvin, you know, North Turner's Michael Irvin, which is the comp they've been saying, Mm -hmm. is getting the ball in his hands and letting him be special after the catch, those are good things. Do I think he's already the most fantasy-relevant receiver on that team? Yes. Do I think he's going to have an Amari Cooper-like season? No. no. Do I think he you know, could t- top 1,000 yards barely? Sure, but I think he's more of a 900 you know, type. Give him the Macklin year. Give him the Jeremy Macklin in Philadelphia year. Yeah, 900 yards, six. Six, six touchdowns. Like, yeah. that, that's, where, <laughs> that's where he's at for me. That's what my mind says, but that's still going to be more relevant than Stephon Diggs. Yeah. It'll still be more relevant than Kyle Rudolph and you know, the grand scheme of things. And... The only person I want even a share of on this team is Adrian Peterson, potentially with Jarek McKinnon late, because the things he did in the passing game late in the season were awesome. Yeah, but the problem is that you don't want Adrian Peterson at what the prices you're going to have to pay for him. It's it's one of those things that if unless you just don't, you're, no, there's no. no running back worth taking in the first no. round for you. <laughs> no, pretty much. Well, I'll tell you what though, it's like if, so you're going all first round no, wide no, receivers. I'm in, a, I'm in a twelve. I'm in, I'm in twelve team league, so. Uh, if I'm in that 12-team draft and I'm and I get the draw because we we draw out our order and uh, whoever gets the first uh, selected out of the hat, they get to choose out of one through 12 where they pick. And this is all done 30 minutes before the draft. So last year I was the, the second to last person to choose, so I got to pick 11. Um, won the championship. There you go. Um, I, so, like, I like being at the end of the. So round. it doesn't it doesn't really matter, but at the same time is. Adrian Peterson to me is is probably going to go. I don't expect Sixth. him to be. Yeah, I don't expect him to be available in that late first round. Or if he's available to me in a second round, I mean, oh my god, I would just go crazy, and of course I would be taking him. But. So if he's available in the late first round, do you take Adrian? Yeah, Peterson? I would. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, but not at the top but, of the not at the top of the first round. Not so, the top so six. you're saying you will not take him in the top six players? Probably. I would. I, I mean, mean I, I want those wide receivers, but if, if the I wonder, three are gone, I, I, I really don't. I, I want to trade. I want to trade out of that pick. I, I want to trade out of that pick, no matter what. <laughs> I, I, don't I don't want it. I don't want it. I really don't want it. I, I wish there was video right now. Houdini just got I, so stressed. I put my hands on my head. I'm, I'm squeezing the head together. No, I don't want that pick. I, whenever I'm stressed, I like to throw back a Valverde. I allege of allegiance of to the flag of the United States. Of America and to the Republican for which in my hands with puberty and nachos, nachos for all. <laughs> Public. <laughs> D Rex, you got some spewing to do about the German guy, or should we just yeah. move on? 
I love it. He said yesterday that he wants to be the Dirk Nowitzki of the NFL. <laughs> How can I not love this guy? And the video that we watched a couple months a month ago of him from his pro day was beautiful. A thing of beauty. You watch his uh, what was he D four or D three? D Germany. He, he was no. He played in. He played in. in he played here. Was no, he, he's yeah, he, he played here. Um, I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like a D3 guy, but I like this dude. He's, he's he played in the German. Yeah, he played in the German league. He was in the German pro league. German yeah. pro league. God yeah. damn it, I love him. I'm, I'm taking him. Moritz. <laughs> yes. Moritz Boringer. First guy to sign. So you know, yeah. got got drafted. There was a he, he had a, he had his own draft party in Germany where they were all fired up for him. He wants to be the Dirk of the NFL. So amen, dude. He's got the body. He's got it. Looks looks good to me. Let's see if he can do it. He's got to. Um, he's got to. Hopefully, they'll give him some opportunity. But uh, all for it. Except he's a guy with the Jeff Janis body, who you know is known for going you know deep down the field. Can he's got more of a Gary that. Barnett's he, body. He was the, <laughs> and he was the first to sign. You know. Yeah, money. <laughs> money is cool. Money is pretty cool. I like money. Cool. Should we go on to? We're done with this division. Yeah, let's do it. Let's hit the NFC South. All right, let's get to the NFC South, and we have a team that actually has done a lot of action and getting a lot done uh, this offseason, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. All right, they overpaid for Sanu, in my opinion. Yeah, you think? Just a little bit, but, uh, you know, other big news, Roddy White, a fantasy football staple down there with the Falcons, is no longer with the team, and he hasn't signed with anyone, has he? Is he done? No one wants him, or is he just I waiting for the right him. opportunity? <laughs> My fantasy team doesn't want him. You know, it, it's so, you, that's so sad. It's sad, quickly, it's sad how it goes, right? Quickly, you, the, you the wheels go, come off. especially when you are a star, right, for for a team, and then you have another guy that comes in and kind of outshines your star on the team, and then you're just you're still like the fan favorite, but then it's just obscurity, and it's there are a couple of players like uh, like where did Jerry Rice finish out his career? Where was the last his last stop? Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. 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 Like, Seattle. I don't remember the Seattle. I, mean, I remember Oakland. Don't. I remember <laughs> right, right. I remember Oakland, but it's like then it was just like all of a sudden you just he had already gotten cut by the Denver Broncos. We're basically like, it didn't work. Right. And then he goes to Seattle Seahawks and he asked he asked Steve Largent if he could un- if he could unretire number eighty. Right. It's like, and Steve Largent's like, hey, you're my guy. You're the best all time. Sure. And then in, in training camp, uh, he basically, or in the preseason, he basically retired. He's like, all right, I can't do this. I'm too old. <laughs> but never was a wide receiver as dominant in the beginning of his career. But also, when he was on the Raiders and they went to the That's Super what I mean. Bowl the Raiders in 2002, everybody... he, was, he had like two to 3,000-yard seasons but Roddy's when he was 40. That... Roddy's at that Seattle point, is what my point. Yeah, is. <laughs> no, it's, true. It, it's it's no it's one works you, like no one's got that rice work. And, and remember, Roddy when he came out, he was a speedster, so he was a guy that was burning. He people. was everything. He was he would be burning people downfield, and he, he like no, sharp. he added everything else into his game. Because I remember he was one of my first in my sixteen uh, uh, mm-hmm. team draft league. Uh, we drafted him, I think it was like 2004 or 2005, right when I joined the league. It was one of my first draft picks. Him and D'Angelo Hall, I think they came out of the same draft class. And it was like, all we were looking for when we were building our team was, we want speed. And D'Angelo Hall was like one of the fastest guys on defense at cornerback. And they were both on Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't D'Angelo Hall yeah. originally a, a Falcon? So they were they were there yeah. together. We had both those guys. We turned Roddy White into Phillip Rivers. So that one worked out. 
For, but let's but Roddy White was just, going, buddy. But Roddy Roddy White was an amazing. <laughs> he was an amazing receiver for for years. It's just sad that it uh, it ends like that. It's it's crazy. Um, Sorry, that was. Uh, no, it's, it's all. It's all. And remember, we did hey, a. We, you, we, did, we, we, we were on, we were on the video cast with. The, we were on the video cast with him and uh, MJD. Yeah, so. both both are, are essentially well. MJD's done, but uh, what's at Siciliano? What's Andrew Siciliano? Siciliano is still around. <laughs> say his name. No. Say his name. I'm out. I'm say out. It. I'm say it. Siciliano. So the move that this team did make. You know, not splashy, but, you know, you sign Sanu, uh, and then you bring in Austin Hooper, you know, a tight end from Stanford, you know, to potentially develop and bring that sort of next level Tony Gonzalez type eventually a couple of years here down the road. You know, an improvement over Jacob Tammy is an improvement over Jacob Tammy. Uh, besides that, you know, the rest of their team is sort of barren of fantasy players outside of Julio and depending on even your take on Devonta, he could be too rich for your blood, I assume. Um, well, it's nice that they added um, Alex Mack, good center, which was their weak last weakness uh, last year, and I think that helps. Uh, you know, a Freeman and does does uh, the, the fellow from Indiana? Sorry, I always space Kevin Coleman. Col- yeah, good. is Coleman going to come back from injury? And I, I get think the opportunities. I think he's going to come in. He's going to do. More than he did, and this is the thing why I'm not a big Devonta Freeman fan. If you look at what Devonta Freeman did in the first half of the year, it was amazing. What did he do in the second half of the year? Still, still caught a boatload yeah. of passes. He was caught a boatload of passes, but, but the effectiveness the dropped down. I always want to see those guys who are ascending going out of the season into the next year because the other problem that is that never happens. Oh, okay. Everybody, oh, it never everybody, happens. Everybody wears down. It never down. happens. It happens. Come but, on. But, uh, everybody like, wears down. I love Devonta Freeman. Good news I heard today, heard uh, this week is that he like bought this old uh, this old he like I forget the story. There's too many. <laughs> I gotta stay off Twitter. Right. He either bought an old couple of house or he saved someone's life and pulled it from a fire. It's one of the two. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you dick. All right. Well, let's move on from Atlanta Falcons. Just, I, I guess the last thing is that I'll say there is Julio Jones. No more Norman. Yeah. Norman's gone. That's pretty sweet. So the only thing, good. the only kind of blemish or kink in the armor—not that it really mattered because that that second game he played against, we still lit him up. But um, that's a good time. So now the you know one of the top three cover corners in the league is not going to be uh, flanking him for most of the game in two games. Can uh, he catch touchdowns? We hope. Well, so. we hope I so. Can Can Manny Ice stop being ice cold? Can Manny? Hopefully, can he, he rebound? That's rebound. the real question of the team. That's what it all comes down to when you talk Atlanta Falcons. Is do you think Matt Ryan can rebound? I do. Even, but even though his rebound, remember what his rebound actually is. His rebound's going to 27, 28 touchdown passes. His yards didn't fall. His completion percentage didn't fall. Nothing else fell except for touchdown passes, and he threw more interceptions and had yeah, some more turnovers. Yeah, turnovers. Turnovers. Yeah. I think he they killed drives. They killed it was a new drives. system. He looked a little bit better, a little bit better. And he missed Julio on a lot of deep passes. It was ridiculous how many what Julio could have done on that year had he had the connections on on twenty percent more of those deep passes. Oh, watch! I just I, I let's, love, let's I get off the Falcons. But I love watching Julio Jones play football. God, God damn it! God, Muhammad and Sadu suck. 
God damn, I hate that guy. But I will be nice. That there'll be a couple trick plays, some new bombs to uh, to JJ. Mahal, All right, let's go to... I have one more thing to say about Mohammed Sanu. <laughs> is he saying F? Is that the no. F word? Suck. Oh That's god, suck. it sounded like F. Eh, debatable. You hear what you want to hear, yeah. and I heard the F word. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound like it. Hear what you want to hear. MTV, <laughs> great That's right. All right, Carolina it's a Panthers. Picasso, baby. The runners up. Uh, hopefully, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. But is this a team when you think about it that went? And I'm not. We don't need to get into Norman, which is obviously a big move. But mm. we'll stick with fantasy more than anything else. Is this a team that's made themselves better when they were had the almost an un, un, uh, defeated season last year? Is, did they have a good off season? I'm I'm not feeling it for them. What am I? I might be wrong though. No, they, they. I don't think they had a great off season. I think it's uh, they. They shaved the the money. They spent all their uh, assets in the draft basically on defense. I think it was a late tight end they grabbed, but you got Greg Olson. Who cares? Um, so you you still are in a situation where you didn't even add to your wide receiving core. You're you're just hoping that Kelvin Benjamin coming back. The growth of Devin Funches and having Greg Olson is going to be enough with the other pieces that you have in place. It's because it worked last season. I know. You get a first-round pick back. Why would you spend... I mean, the thing is, it doesn't look great on paper. But what they're trying to Never do did. now is eventually, you know, it comes to like, you know, there was years that the Patriots don't do a goddamn thing. And they still have one of the best off-seasons because they keep their team together. That's they key. run their systems and they do what they want to do. And the the team comes before the players, huh. and that's what you can say with Josh Norman. So they brought in three new corners in the draft, who are all you know different types of guys. Then we'll see if any of them could develop. There's a couple different guys there that are interesting to run zone coverage. Because let's remember, Norman's not like a pure man to man cover no, corner no, here. He was, it's ex- He's a product of the system a little bit. He plays a lot of zone, especially when offense. You know, runs any sort of motion, their automatic check was to was zone coverage. Um, besides that, on offense, you get Kelvin Benjamin back. Remember, Jonathan Stewart missed three games at the yeah. end of the season. They pretty much held him out there. They'll get him fully healthy for a full season. Let me talk about that because I like Jonathan Stewart. I think I'm higher on him than any of you guys are. And I look at it this way, is that they're, they're finally in Carolina, and I think that Cam Newton is finally... Um, if we didn't notice it in the Super Bowl, at a point in time where he's looking to protect his asset, uh, A number one, and not take ridiculous injury risks. So I don't think that he's going to be running as much, especially in the the red zone when you're going against stat goal line defenses where you're going to be getting hit by a 300-pound guy as opposed to when you're sitting and you have different opportunities and you're going to be in nickel coverage and you can worry about uh, a nickel cornerback coming in and it'd be the guy who's going to be spying on you and going to tackle you. So I think that Jonathan Stewart's going to get more red zone opportunities than he's ever had. I think that that in combination with Kelvin Benjamin coming back, I listen, I understand. He, Kelvin Benjamin's going to be a 10-plus touchdown guy. 
Um, I think that he is going to be, he's one of these also another guy that I think is very undervalued. Look how good Cam Newton performed with the shit he had at wide receiver last year. Kelvin Benjamin come back easily a thousand yard, if not going to be probably a 12 to 1300 yard guy. Ooh. I Yeah. A twelve to thirteen hundred yards with twelve to thirteen touchdowns. Whoa, hey now. So, so do you Calvin have him ranked as, as a top twelve wide receiver? I that's have, what those I numbers I, mean. I think I have. He's one of those guys that. Mo- yeah, he'll probably end up being there for me because I think I have about like fourteen or fifteen right now. So you yeah. did, you have Adam higher in version three of our tiers. We'll probably be done what this weekend, right? Next week. Next well, this this is a. No. By next week for me. <laughs> Give me a couple days this weekend. I think I can get shit done. So Jonathan got, Stewart, I'm fucked with family. Yeah, so Mother, love you, love you, I mean, love you, love you, I, mean, I love you. So Jonathan Stewart had more carries in the red zone than any other player in the league last season. Wow, um, fifty-five of them, That's and good. he didn't score all that much. He still only scored five. Yeah, Cam Newton did vulture him. Yeah, still you know, got Mike Tolbert vultured him. He gets vultured all the time within the ten. But he gets a lot in the red zone. He's got to make it happen a little bit more inside the 20. Uh, I just See, that's the bullshit, though, because he, he doesn't get the good red zone. I think he'll get more good red zone. This, this <laughs> He's getting the 15-yard. He's not getting the I think the you are insane for saying 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns for Kelvin Benjamin. Or 12 and 12. I said 12 and okay. 12. It's, 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 it's conceivable. The only thing I'll say that I'll I'll he, needs, is... he needs to catch the ball. He will. No, he caught like fifty percent of his targets. Yeah, that his was his rookie season. year. He's he's a guy he's a third who's year guy now. He's 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 got all oh he's third he year exactly how to get you. He's on to something here. He knows how to get you. Yeah, going. it's called interrupting me when I'm talking, like I didn't do to him. Oh, <laughs> he's having fun over there. Settle down, Beavis. <laughs> okay. He caught 50% of his targets. He was awful as on a per-target basis. They developed Ted Ginn into a weapon there. Please. They, they <laughs> like what Philly Brown does. They also like what Funches does. If you think Ted Ginn's you know, going to disappear and suddenly got zero targets last season, when he's their really only field stretcher, because Kelvin Benjamin's a 4-6 guy, like... They needed to get in there, and I was a, I was one of the biggest Kelvin all... Benjamin detractors when he came out. I said that he wasn't going to be any of this stuff. These... I like the risky call. Here's what I'll say: He we, proved we, it to we, me. We, I like what you. The thing that you brought up that I think is a great point is that they're doing what they want. They kept keeping their team. They're doing, and that interests me. Now, Cam Newton, a guy that's come at value, value city for the last few drafts, now is going to be the exact opposite. He is going to go super high. You. Can't be thinking that that's going to be a good pick uh, where he's going. I just even if he even does remotely near what he did last year, which I don't think is possible, uh, it, he's going to be going really high. It's different when you get him in the currently. third round pick. I mean, we know what I, I got him last year in the fourteenth round, and I know that's late, but uh, I don't know. I think that's interesting. But this is a team. Eh, I'm not going to uh, strike the schedule. Is tough. I, I just I'm worried about these guys. This, this doesn't there's have a good a, look to me. The thing is, there's just so many weapons that are like complementary pieces. One of them needs to take, besides Cam Newton, but one of these offensive players. I mean, Greg Olson's, what, 32 years old now? How long can he do it? Um, you know, Jonathan Stewart's getting into his 30s. How long can he do it? What's like, Olson's uh, uh, ADP, if you don't mind me fifth asking? Fifth round. 
It's wrong. I, I ask that every show. I'm going to try and remember. <laughs> I did print out, just so you know, I did print out for today the ADP of all the rookies. So <laughs> what I will do for future shows is I will print out the current ADP for all the players so I don't have to uh, bother you with it, Stag Party. I'm sorry. All right, let's go on to the next squad, and that is the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints who made some moves in the draft, who got a defensive plugger early, mm-hmm. but then traded back up in that you know second round and got Michael Thomas out of uh, Ohio, Ohio State, State. Yeah. who's a player, who's not a burner, similar. I mean, he's a Josh Dotson type who can go up and get it, but he's also a guy who can run a variety of routes. He came for, He's played in some pro-style sets previously at Ohio State, and he can just do a lot of things on the football field. He can also stretch it down... You know, down the seam, just running deep. Um, just just all the different things he could do, he's going to be a good fit. The question is, how quickly can he pass Willie Sneed, if at all? Well, that's the thing. It, I, it's all about, you know, it's the new breed now. You're bringing in these new wide receivers. The Colston era is over. Um, so you're going into the Kobe Fleener era here with these guys. He's trying to... You know, you don't really have a field stretcher though, right? So it's like that's that's Brian the one Cooks. problem. <laughs> Cooks is Cook, well. Right. This is where I think I think this helps Cooks. Maybe <laughs> because you're you're bringing in these other bigger weapons and guys that have more athleticism. You know, you're you're, you're transitioning away from Colson, who'd been like the this they've got the size athleticism. But because it's hard to be more athletic than Brandon Cooks. No, no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm saying I'm saying these the outside guys have the athleticism to be able to make. Yeah. You know, sideline type catches and do things that are going to open up the middle of the field and 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 create one on one opportunities for Cooks because that's what Cooks needs. Cooks is not a guy that's going to be able to do it on his own. He needs other guys there to help create the space and then let him be him because he is special in what he does. But he's ideally a number two, so that I think they want to develop. You know whether it be Snead or whether it be Michael Thomas into becoming who's going to be that bona fide number one guy that is going to balance Brandon Cooks and give him what he needs to operate. I don't even know if they need to be a number one, but if they could be complementary players on each outside, that also helps. You know Kobe Fleener over the middle. As long as they could take some pressure off, I mean Marcus Colston is leaving some targets behind for Willie Snead. For you know Fleener and for Michael Thomas to step into, and, and he's got an interesting you know sort of you're going to get him at a decent price to where he's a guy who could potentially pay off because I'm not counting on Brandon Coleman. Yeah, and you're the one thing you said that I liked about this team, and I know we're talking about off season, but Drew Brees finally coming at a value pick, and if you got some of this youth movement and these guys can make some things happen, Drew Brees is a dude that uh, I guess uh, other than his SOS, which is tough. At 30, um, but I like Drew Brees for, for the value that he's going to get. Now, here's the thing to think about with this team. One, obviously, you got Fleener, but you lose Watson. Is that a big deal? I don't know, but is Fleener going to re- recreate those numbers? Watson had a great season. Uh, and now you're also thinking Hightower hasn't been re signed. Who knows that? He did? He finally re signed. Okay, he's there. So they're gonna they're gonna be a running running attack. You got you saw what we what uh, uh, the other I'm terrible with names today. It's been a long week. Uh, er, um, Mark Ingram. Ingram, sorry. Uh, Ingram now can catch the ball. He's dynamic as hell. He's kind of a slow and steady potter. But they've got a basically every the whole gamut for this team. They've got a lot of talent. And again, whenever we talk about those kind of situations. Who does that favor? It's kind of like it favors the quarterback. 
And so I think this helps Drew Brees where you look at, like, who's the guy that's really going to explode next year for them in a fantasy football that's a specialty player besides quarterback? It's, it's, it, it's iffy. There's a lot of guys that could be the guy. I mean, there's a lot of guys who could be the guy, but Drew Brees is going in the sixth round after Blake Bortles. Going after no, a full he, round and a half said after it right. He's, ben he is coming at an amazing value this year. This is For the, the first time ever. This is the year that when you wait on the quarterback and you get that veteran who you know is going to give you five, six weeks that are going to be great. And he's a guy who's passed for 5,000 yards before. More yeah, than anybody. But even though we've said that they were a running team, we said that a lot last year, yeah. they still skew towards the pass. Yep. They're still going to pass it 60% of the time, but they're going to use that run game effectively off of it. And Could their defense be better this year so they don't have to pass as much? Because that defense was just it was a turnstile. Val Verde! It is in these hills that Juan Valdez and his trusty goat gather coffee beans every morning. <laughs> yeah. You guys got any more on New Orleans? No, I think, no, we're, I think we're good. I feel bad for Sneed, who uh, one one quick uh, promo we'll do here. Sorry, and then we'll move on. Is uh, Pyromaniac Mo and the Pyro Podcast Light. Uh, he had Matt Harmon on the show last week. Great show. He's the Perception Reception. Um, or Reception... Yeah, I got reception, it right. perception. reception perception. Um, Chase Daniels, Daniel Chase. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that guy knows his stuff. Obviously, one of the favorites. People seem to love this guy. Uh, and it was a great Pyro podcast. Like talking about a lot of wide receivers. He loves a Treadwell. He really likes a Sneed. That was before the draft. Who knows what happens now? Now that they've got uh, you know the fellow from Ohio State. But um, let's move on. Listen to the Pyro podcast lights. Our shows go super long, you guys know that, but Mo does a great job with his fantasy football talks during the offseason, and then in season, that's the later in the week show, or that comes out on Thursday or Friday, and gives you more news-heavy kind of later on the week stuff, because we record on Tuesday night in season, and uh, you know we talk about all the matchups and all that stuff, Mo's talking a lot more about the news and stardoms and all that kind of great DFS, so Mo does an incredible job with that, and uh, thanks for that. Paul Charchian was his uh, fantasy football talk uh, two weeks ago, and that's another guy that's another industry favorite. So three a, a month ago was Matthew Barry, uh, Pyromaniac Moe's, who's the industry, uh, you know... Figurehead? But yeah, figurehead, probably the biggest guy in the industry. Uh, so, Mo, keep getting these interviews, and if you're out there and you're listening to our show and you have a site of yourself, reach out to us, reach out to Mo, and uh, do it. let's do a fantasy football talk. Or reach out to us, and we'll do a... We'll do a blab or something, and uh, you know we're, we've always been hated by the industry, but we're trying to make uh, we're trying to we're trying to become more of a Geneva and embrace with open arms. Um, all right, so the next team we're going to talk about is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can we just let Houdini ramble on about Jameis Winston for a couple minutes? Well, I love Jameis Winston, and uh, <laughs> you know what? You have to like the fact that Doug Martin has uh, re-signed there, and, and it keeps the the, uh, the the balance that you have at the uh, at the position. Um, <clears throat> you also have uh, Mike Evans, who had a horrible year, who is due for a bounce back year. 
Um, you know, his year wasn't horrible except for touchdowns. No, but it's the drops. It's the, it's the damn drops, and it was so many drops at crucial moments and drops on big deep passes that was it was insane. But you gotta understand. That he was the highest guy on him going in. I was. So, so I got burned. So you get burned. You get he's, he's, he's he's burned. I got burned. He, he, he's got a little bit of sin he, yeah, fingertips. Yeah, I, I understand the burn. He's, he's mad. He's mad that he got burned because, honestly, he's right. I mean, and I think, I'll let, I'll let you talk. I think I think Evans is going to be just fine. The thing is, Evans, like, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Do you want a guy who's just burning defenders so bad that he's open to yeah. drop the ball or he's not getting open and... You know, then dropping the ball. Quick <laughs> thing, hardest strength to schedule next year so that, far. That'll change with Josh yeah. Norman gone. That will. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> and then just so you know, the strength schedule that we're doing is from about a month ago. And draft, a lot of this free agent stuff um, is going to obviously change. And Dogmatica is doing an updated version for version 3 of our draft kit. Again, anybody in Philadelphia, please buy it. <laughs> uh, go, But just Jameis Winston himself. He's got some numbers that are going to be tough to repeat. You know, five rushing touchdowns is going to be tough for him. Can he, you know, how many of those is he going to turn into passing touchdowns? Is he going to be a 26-touchdown pass guy? Or is he going to just suddenly take a giant leap and be a 30-touchdown guy? And then that, you know, bring you a huge value. Well, he had a, he, he had one of the best rookie seasons ever. So, you know, especially with the yards, the, the touchdowns will come because as you get more comfortable in the offense, you didn't have Austin Safarian Jenkins for the most of the season. You're going to have so many more weapons for him. Come I on. Just, I just don't know come if I believe. on. I don't and, know if I believe in Austin Safarian Jenkins. And now Josh Norman's gone from the, from, from, the, uh, uh, from the division. You have Tampa Bay uh, has the advantage of going up against Atlanta and New Orleans, who are both very weak in what they're doing right Atlanta now. Atlanta is very strong defense, at the corners. At, at defense, the corners. Uh, at the corners. That's not going to stop Jameis Winston. I, well, when his best weapon is Mike Evans and Austin Severian Jenkins can't stay on the field. When, when Austin Severian Jenkins is on the field and they're not having a, a corner cover him, so I'm not worrying about that. I just don't think he's healthy enough all the time to stay on the field. Like, well, but again, we can't worry about health because if you want to talk about health all the time, say, well, this guy won't be out there. You don't know what he will. You have to assume that they will be. If healthy, this is what it is. When injuries happen, we'll deal with it then. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, agree or disagree. I'm, I'm Let's right. move on from Tampa Bay. Let's just hey, talk a little bit more. talk about yeah, ASJ. I mean, just, just about oh, no. just the depth at wide receiver behind Mike Evans. You got Vincent Jackson who's like, what, 33 now? You know, that's going to hurt. And then just other guys. You know, a lot of unknowns. Lewis Murphy coming off an injury. You know, that's just all tough, tough guys. Like, outside of Mike Evans, there's no other real playmakers at the wide receiver position. ASJ hasn't shown to be a consistent playmaker. Their second best pass catcher is fucking Charles Sims. And he can barely get on the field because Doug Martin is so good at running the ball. Well, that's an off-season move. They re-signed Doug Martin. Sims is still around. Probably we've talked about it on previous shows. We think they're a dynamic uh, the, the duo in that backfield. Well, we've got plenty of weeks to talk about that. Does that eat into each other? Are you wor- staying away from that? Is, or is Doug Martin uh, going too rich for your blood? Or are you fired up on him? I, I, mean, I just don't go- know. He's, he's a, going in the second round. I mean, second round. I mean, uh-huh. after you got him at such value last year, no way. You know, See, you're having to pay up. And this is always the key. To me, maybe that's that's the, the new article to write. Is It's, it's, it's in conjunction with value. career year beware because you never draft the guy after he has the big year. And it's the same thing. Understand that when a guy has a great year, his value goes up. So it's about 
finding the guys that underperform, that were the guys that give me the salt in your, in, in, you know, like how you have the love for Mike Evans because you didn't own him last year. Salt in the wounds. So I had the salt in the wounds from him, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be as high on him, and that's why those guys never get drafted by. If you got burned by someone. It's very rarely that you're ever going to draft him back to back years after getting burned. Do you do the uh, W? Um, don't get, won't get. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. No, no, won't get fooled again. No, oh the W. You know we got we got a saying down in. <laughs> I look at stags. Down in, down in. I don't look at you anyway. I look at stags. You know I think we got the same thing here in Tennessee. Goes uh, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Well, you get fooled, you can't get fooled again. <laughs> I think that's going to be the name of this piece. And by the way, Houdini, you just reminded all of us, when's career year beware coming up? Holla! Holla! It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> all right, let's move on from the Bucks. A uh, lot of tough schedules in that. Um, who knows? High, high draft ADP. We are about to move on to the NFC West. Going to the West Coast is the best coast. All right, man. This is a this is a pretty stacked. Uh, no, it's not. It's yeah, stacked with what? <laughs> stacked a new team. Not much has changed, but. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the Arizona Cardinals, like zero changed for them on offense. Like they've had probably the fewest. You just sort of turnover on offense in general. They did get Evan Mathis for the offensive line, and they were one of the best road grading offensive lines in terms of run blocking last season. That's great news for David Johnson, who showed up his rookie year. I mean, they've got three legitimate wide receivers who could all vie for a thousand yards next season. Picking out the ones you want, you know, to take the last one, <laughs> you can get. You know, they're all interesting in their own ways. They're all going to catch. You know, 70 See, plus passes potentially, and that's... You know what you're rooting for there? You're rooting for, if you get one of those guys, you're rooting for the injury. Just, why don't you go down? So that this guy, so John Brown blows up, so that Larry Fitzgerald blows up, so that Michael Floyd blows up. With the three of them out there, it's the three-headed monster of... <sighs> Let me guess the week. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not good enough to do that. Yeah, no, that's true. It's like the streaming aspect. When you do that, it, it's tough. Tough to deal with. Do you like... Um, do you like what who, who, who the ADP on those guys is? Larry still going the highest, or now has Floyd uh, jumped him? And you know the thing as a John Brown owner that from last year, I think I got him in the ninth, maybe tenth round. Had two games that just you know he lights it up for you, but a lot of duds in between. Uh, where what hap- What's happening with those guys? And I guess we, let's keep it on point with the offseason moves. But Larry. Uh... Michael Floyd is leading the way at the end of the fifth. Larry in the middle of the sixth, and John Brown in the middle of the seventh. So, so it's it's one of those things where I like Brown if, I'm, if I'm looking there, I look at John Brown as the, as the one who's the value. I don't want to pay I up. Like him the least I, he he's he's the youngest of them all. He's also the smallest of them all. Uh, that that's the the hindrance that you have there. But you also still have the fact that it's a Bruce Arians offense, and he likes to take those deep shots down the field. And John Brown is one of the guys that he likes to utilize in that role. So. Um, the main, th- pretty much is the guy in that role. But the thing is, once Michael Floyd came back from his little injury, yeah, I know he, he was. I and had then he year. was the guy who was going down the field late in the season. I know I, he, he was the guy with hundred yard games and touchdowns. Yep. Like late in the season, that one game that John Brown had. And sorry that you keep getting interrupted tonight, Stags. Um, 
But that one game that John Brown had on Monday Night Football, I remember I played him, put him in last second. It was one play. He had like a nice long touchdown, but I think he had like one catch for 49 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so the, just the, the volume for John Brown is just, it, it's, it's painful to watch. I mean, he's only had 101 and 103 targets his first two seasons. Hey, but if he's your wide receiver 3-4, that's pretty decent volume. Absolutely. I mean, these guys are all going to get volume. This is a pass-happy offense. Mm-hmm. And even though it's pass-happy, it's wide receiver-centric pass-happy because their tight ends are meh. I mean, you know, Darren Fells can make some big plays. I don't even call them pass-happy, though, do you? Actually, they ran more than they... Well, not ran more than they threw. They ran more than league average. Yeah, because it's a Bruce Arians offense. He likes to always have the running game to be established. So... That's, that's where it's, I'm worried about these guys. That's why I don't want to reach for any of them. And John Brown, at least I know with his young, uh, his age and his speed, and again, his, he's done it already, unlimited amount of targets. If he does, if one of uh, you know Floyd who does get injured, if uh, Fitzgerald who is older does go down, Floyd, you know, Brown's a guy that has an opportunity. Before, um, if you haven't checked it out yet, the – Awesome article by Larry Fitzgerald before the draft that was meant for the uh, the soon-to-be NFL draftees, telling about his experiences going through the draft and the experience and the luck and just being blessed on what they have to do and how they need to be their rookie year and just following old veterans and, and learning how to be a professional. Check out that article. I forget the name of it, but Larry Fitzgerald penned it, and it, 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 it it's a great one. Yeah, John Brown's so young, he's seven months younger than Michael Floyd. That's it? <laughs> uh, well, one thing well, I like about Brown, I hate his volume, but that guy makes, he makes some big plays. For his size, he stretches out and makes some amazing catches. You don't ever see him drop the ball. You always see him make a tough catch. You know, he's not going to be, he's not a point of, uh, you know, he's not jumping to make balls in, in traffic, uh, catch balls in traffic. But he he's he's a gamer, dude. So if he can, he can play, if he can get these more guys can targets, yeah, he's he, he, it's something special. All right, let's go to the St. Louis. Oh, I'm sorry, fans. I literally am sorry. We're going Fucking to have St. St. Louis got screwed. Um, are we going out of work? Yep, Los Angeles Rams are the next team. Yeah, no, Los Angeles Rams. You call them St. Louis. I know. <laughs> I, and I said, oh, sorry. Oh, I feel oh, bad for them. Oh, I, oh. It, was, it was, it was, a, it was a, I should have shit on the league for that. I, I'm, I feel bad for my guys, Jason Fennell and any Ram fan. He got screwed. But the Rams took the first pick overall in the draft, and that's uh, Mr. Goff from Cal. They traded up to get him. Man, I think that's a, it's a lot it's a lot of pressure for this kid, I they, think. And they didn't have a pick until the fourth round after that, but took a tight end. The, after you know getting Jared Goff, they made a point to address the offense, add at least some playmakers, and they got some interesting guys despite having you know no picks. Uh, you know what Tyler Higby had a second round grade, except for some character and injury issues. But he's a guy who, you know, is one of those athletic type tight ends. Which was the player of the Rams that was arrested after uh I don't know if I after saw the draft. One of their players uh, was, was was arrested nice. for something after that. that so, good quality. Way to yeah. go, Fisher. Then they added, you know, Farrow Cooper from yeah. South Carolina who a lot of people compare to Tavon Austin, unfortunately. Yeah. So how's that work on the same team? But he's a guy who can 
you know, just make things happen with the ball in his hands. They got another tight end in the sixth round. And then they also added, uh, at the end of the sixth round, Mike Thomas, the other Mike Thomas in the draft out of Southern Miss, who's a guy a lot of people are high on but didn't get invited into the combine. So he's a guy who's going to work. And, you know, with only really Tavon Austin there, he's a receiver I really like. Just being able to get open, you know, using his little nuanced moves, he's one of those, you know, professional route runners that you like to see. Everybody else, you know, these are a lot of prove-it guys, but Jared Goff is the hall of the draft to go with Todd Gurley. You know, Todd Gurley's going to be the mainstay of this offense. The only concern you have with Gurley is can he improve catching the ball in his second season because we... Even once sort of Gurley got started, we didn't see much from Trey Mason. We didn't see much from Benny Cunningham. Who's going to step into that sort of complementary role for them? The receivers outside of Tavon Austin, I can't see myself drafting any of those as of today. Tight end, you know, you got Lance Kendricks, uh, followed by a bunch of, you know, young guys who aren't going to make much of an impact. So this is a team outside of Gurley that I'm pretty much staying away from. And Gurley's going so high, first, second, or third pick, essentially, that uh, that, 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 that's... That's 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 a lot. That's a lot of pressure to put on this guy. You said it for me. I, I, again, I, I don't want to. I don't want to bask in any team uh, or bank in any team or take part in any team that is basing everything on rookies. So, like the Ezekiel Elliott discussion we were having earlier. But the fact is that when Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback for this team, I am not trusting any of the, the weapons that they have there with any consistency whatsoever. You've been more of a Tavon Austin guy than any of yeah, us over the years. So, and, so you're just told, are you off on him? And you mentioned him as a guy as being I, one of the only ones that you would take, but we know he's kind of more of this gimmicky guy, but he still, he still scores. I like him. Where are, we at with, where are you at with him, Houdini? Because I know you loved him last year. I like the guy still. I love his talent. I love what he can do. I love all of his, his intangibles. The problem is he's not in an offense that's conducive to him. I, I think the Todd Gurley part really helps him. The problem is he needs to have someone that can get him the ball. And what he absolutely needs is someone that can get him the ball in a position where he doesn't have to break stride. That's not going to happen Goff has never dealt with a guy that's been as fast as this as Austin. You think that he's going to be able to anticipate and throw and lead him into passes? I have a hard time believing it in his rookie year. And, and where you're going to probably pay for Austin is still probably going to be too high. Is Goff a day one starter? Yeah. Yeah, for that team. Got to be. That's why, they, that's why they well, signed I'm not betting on Case Keenum. They're signing, that's why they want to get people to come and see the, see the product. you yeah. got to sell it. So that's it. Cool. All right. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. They didn't do much that uh, that, that, that resembles anything for fantasy football. When, yeah. when, when the Twitter news on the San Francisco 49ers is that Colin Kaepernick can throw again, and I don't know if you saw the picture that was posted on Twitter where he, he literally looks like uh, he's about 150 pounds and a, and a hippie now. But when, you're, when the other news you're hearing is that Gabbard's really running the – Taking control of the team. It's like, Also, how about the fact that the first offensive player they drafted this year was Jeff Driscoll in the sixth round, quarterback. Yeah. I mean, they obviously think, remember Chip Kelly might have a little bit of that that gumption that makes him chip. He thinks his system is just going to improve this so much that they don't need to do anything else because they were, what, the lowest scoring team in the league last season? They, they were just awful on offense. But getting Carlos Hyde back is going to be big for them. You know, 
They've Sean Drawn as their backup. You know, Sean Drawn, Sean Drawn, Sean Drawn. Um, you know, besides that, they still, does Puffy still have that fashion brand? I don't know. You're a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, outside of that, the receivers. I like Torrey Smith a lot. You know, there there are some things that say he could bounce back, but you could still get him late and potentially provide a value, a little boomer bust for you. Yeah, that was Harmon's. That was Harmon's big guy uh, value guy in that, uh, in that Pyro podcast light. I can't do it, but. I, you know what? It, 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 it makes me feel like I'm cheating, like... He's gonna have some phone sex. <laughs> yeah, phone sex ain't, ain't what I want. I, I have Torrey Smith in a 16-team keeper league that I'm just I'm burdened with him on a long-term contract. I hope you're right, but I've watched this guy uh, for, for too long, and, I, and as I sit here and, I, and it's the... You sit and you go, the San Francisco? I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I mean, it's not that it's San Francisco. It's that it's Chip Kelly and I know, his I know. ability to use Colin a speed Kaepernick. outside receiver. And we, we, we talk about this Colin Kaepernick and this, and I I just, I'm not, I'm not buying it. You got to th- be thinking that Kaepernick right now is thinking he made a big mistake by not taking a pay cut and going over to the Denver Broncos. Oh, God. Jesus, yeah. swallow it and go, 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 go! Get back into the deep, deep into the playoffs. Instead, he wants that money, and uh, we'll see. Anyway, Chip Kelly, interesting team. We all know, or if you don't know, I'm a 49er fan. They're like probably my favorite team. I'm a Bears guy too, but uh, it's hard to get really pumped. Even I'm glad they signed. I'm glad they they hired Chip Kelly because they could have done a lot worse. At least there's some innovation and interesting that hopefully Chip Kelly found his new home and he could he could make an NFL uh, coaching career there but right now there's just too many unknowns and I'm I'm not thinking the 49ers are uh, are really anyone that I want anything to do with from fantasy football unless you just want to have someone that you can watch on those only two games that are being played in the afternoon oh. on Sundays it's and still not worth it because then you're going to just hate the fact that you Force yourself to watch one of these stu- two stupid fucking games and you could have been out doing something and enjoying the day. <laughs> uh, tough strength of schedule across the board, too. All right, let's move on to our last team of the day, the Seattle Seahawks. That calls for a celebration. Malverde! Señor Beavis, ¿qué estás haciendo en mi clase? Get the hell out of here, Beavis! Why does that guy sound like uh, Bobby Hill's dad? Because it, it's Hill? the same guy, Mike was Judge. It? Oh, yeah. Mike Judge that he was yeah, about Judge the All right. Oh, uh, you didn't know that? Mile. Yeah, this, this was his first thing, Judge. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm not good with... And he's also, thing. Mike is also the guy, if you, if you remember, it sounds just like the guy in, uh, uh, in Office, uh, office Space, space yeah. uh, Fun Ruckers. Um, why aren't you wearing your pieces of flair? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Seattle, this is a team that made a lot of offensive additions during this draft. They they got a tackle guard type player who they think they can develop into a, a good guy. He's a mauler, 6'6", 324. But then they added, you know, some things to the running back position. That's a big that's the interesting one. Because, you know, they came out this week and coach speaked it up saying they think Thomas Rawls is gonna be the guy. Is he going to be the guy? They added three running backs in this draft. They had very, they had very little depth, you know, behind him to go in with it. So yeah, there's a chance it still could be him. 
But adding CJ Wait, you Pol- guys, you guys about a month ago were talking Christine Michael was the second coming of backup. Just kidding. We'll move on. But I'm the yeah. rawest guy that now is version three, moving the mofo down. Got it. <laughs> I understand. Point made. Carol, you're a cork soaker. But yep. Go ahead. I like CJ Procise a lot. Yeah. The thing is, even if Rawls is the guy, Procise is going to get work. Procise is a former wide receiver, yeah. transitioned to running back. Rawls doesn't catch the ball that well. What better sort of compliment to Thomas Rawls is there than C.J. Procise? And Procise has not the size of a wide receiver. Six foot to twenty. This this guy's kind of beast. Yeah, I mean, he stepped in late for Notre Dame after they had a litany of injuries to the running back position, a litany of injuries to the quarterback position, and he pretty much carried that offense down the stretch. And the things he could do just in space is exciting. He's got the bulk. Uh, to carry a load if asked. He's got adequate size, so if it you know happens, I really like Procise as a late sort of draft guy who you can get as a complimentary back, and with that reception impact, he's already got a built-in floor. I've heard he's a real Procise route runner. The thing that you got to worry about him is that he's going to be an upright runner because you have to be able to be able to get down and be able to get have that uh, lateral movement to be able to make the big plays in this league, to be able to shut you know shake a guy out at the ten yards and like Ladainian Tomlinson just left guys in the dust. It's usually harder for guys that are taller to be able to do those type of moves and have that type of shimmy to them. So that's going to be like the area where it might be a concern for him. But again, Rawls is a guy who's going to be beating up those defenses. Uh, from the beginning of the game, and process is going to be most likely the guy who's never going to be coming in until the second or third series. So defenses can be worn down, and then his athleticism and his ability, uh, what he did as a receiver, could show up big uh, thanks to the work that Rawls does for him early. And with process, I think, and what you're saying with Rawls, Rawls is, is kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Kadeem Carey and some of these other guys, little beast mode. They think they're just these guys that can that can pound and, and ground. And, and, and hit it, hit the holes, and, and go after it, and be gamers. All you don't have the body. You're not playing against kind of guys. These guys are ginormous monsters. Don't out. Don't think that you can play that type of game and and and, and be a an every down back across a whole season. So there's a lot of opportunity for any. If it's Procise or whoever else uh, they might have drafted, there's got to be a lot of opportunities for a guy. Uh, Rawls is, is at this point. A tag of injury prone. I mean, the other guy they drafted is Alex Collins out of Arkansas, who was a former uh, number one overall mm-hmm. running back recruit to college football. Uh, he had a you know sort of great career, had some injuries, you know here and there. The thing is, he's a guy who's another one of those five ten, two hundred and fifteen pounds in between the tackle runners who could smack you in the mouth. He's a guy. He's I, like a Rawls he, last year. That they, you yeah. know, just that's like, the size. That when you look at the running backs from this year, that's the size. It's that five ten, two twenty pound. That is the new, the C.J. Anderson size, the Rawls size, that the Dixon size. The, that is just the new. Found running back a height weight. The other thing I think that was interesting here is that the Seahawks really did not do anything to address 
the wide receiver position until the seventh round when you're going after Kenny Lawler. So you're going after a guy who's 6'2", 203, more of the size guy, more of the guy who's like, you know, could be a red zone target, not the athleticism type guy. So they're saying that we really like what we have in Tyler Lockett. That's what that says. To and me. they re-signed Curse. I mean, that's an awesome no, move. It, it, Everyone thought because, Curse was a goner, and they're like, he's thick. He's and this, but this around. is what, but this is their thing because they're filling roles, right? What they're looking at is they they have Doug Baldwin, who they still have, who blew up last year, but they're not expecting him to be what he was, and don't you out there expect him to be what he was? But. Lockett is the guy who they see the explosion factor from. So that's why I think they grabbed Lawler late is just a guy to be that possession-type receiver. What you got? Yeah, they, they picked up Lawler to be the backup to Jermaine Curse. They're similar body-type guys who are you know, smooth possession receivers. But the pick I like is Nick Vanette mm-hmm. out of Ohio State, the, the tight end. And does that give you any concern potentially for the health of Jimmy Graham coming back next season. I think Jimmy Graham is a guy that, that you saw how much this offense thrived without Jimmy Graham. Does, life it's, it's time for life without Jimmy Graham, and they're, and they're ready for it. And I think they tried to shop him in this offseason before the draft, and there was just nobody biting. Well, remember how we were talking about earlier in the show how the Bears need a, a, a tight end, and I don't want him? I thought the they were going to trade. The same way I don't want... Dwight Howard from the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. All right, we got an NBA mentioning on this show. <laughs> um, to come to the Chicago Bulls is what, is what I'm reading. He's going to be here next year. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, we, heard, we heard a couple months ago that Jimmy Graham was going to be coming and being our tight end. Couldn't that still happen? I mean, they basically, the Seahawks are basically probably would give him away for nothing. Hey, baby. <laughs> I don't know if the Seahawks are that ready to give up on that experiment le- you know, just yet. Remember, these are the guys who stuck behind Percy Harvin because they traded you know, a lot of draft capital for him. They've at least got to see him play a full season healthy or get a string of games healthy to be able to make that decision. But besides that, you know, this team is probably still going to... Run first, throw later, but maybe it's a little bit more of the pass happy next. But season. the other thing is that too, this is a team that has kept their offense together. Continuity is there from one year to the next, except the offensive line because none of those guys. Yeah, are they, <laughs> because they, they suck. They but they so that's only an upgrade. So, but the, but the fact is that as far as the 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 timing and everything with the quarterback to the receivers and everything, it's intact. Could Paul Richardson be a guy that gets some uh, gets some action this year, or is he just a bad first round pick? I think he's a bad first round pick. I think he's a second round pick, but was he a second round? He's pick? a bad second round pick. Okay. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he's just one of those guys that's slight, and I think Tyler Lockett surpassed him by far. By far. I mean, right. Tyler Lockett's already proven to be so much better than him as a route runner and more consistent. That that I don't think they're gonna take time to think about it. Anything else to talk about with the Seahawks? Got to get that offensive line together. Russell, for, this is Russell Wilson country. I did move Russell Wilson into Tier 1. You did? Yeah, because I thought I moved him into Tier 1 because I had Tom Brady alone with him in Tier 5. And I was like, well, now Tom Brady's got to move down. And I feel like Russell Wilson's head and shoulders are above these guys. So that means Russell Wilson, Wilson Tier 1 quarterback. All right. Um, good deal. Uh, on the last thing we're going to do is I'm going to do a quick pyro promo and um, talk about how you should go and subscribe to us on iTunes because that's what you do. Subscribe to us 
the Pyro Podcast, Fantasy Football Fire on iTunes. We moved over to Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to be doing some blabs. I don't know who with over the next couple weeks, so check those out. We got great new content going up on Pyro Pro. We did some ROI versus ADP. If you're not a Pyro Pro member, please check it out. You can buy a $40 for a year. That's one year. It's not just this season. So if you buy it today or buy it tomorrow, you get it until May uh, 6th or so of next year, 2017. So check that out. You can check us out for uh, a week or a month on that as well and give us a shout there. But pretty incredible service. You can ask us second opinions, which are direct questions that you can ask us specifically and um, we will answer them. You get news feeds there. You get to have, follow up to 100 players on your uh, dashboard so that you can see our player rankings and any new information that happens. And we update those player rankings with every draft kit version. Uh, all right. Give us a like. Get, subscribe to us on iTunes, but also give us a review. It's been kind of stagnant there. I look at some of the other sites, and they've got so many reviews and whatevers. Uh, God bless them. Foot Clan, I don't know how you guys do it. Amen to you. But, uh, God damn, give us some reviews. Show your pyros some love. We work on this year-round. Been doing it for ages. And uh, this is what you got to you gotta listen to us to, to, to bring home that hardware. Uh, Stag Party, always a pleasure talking fantasy football with you. This is back-to-back nights. Last night we did the AFC. Tonight we're doing the AFC. Pyro podcast. Loving it. We're uh, we just we just really are are as passionate as you can possibly be about this stuff, and uh, we love you.